Hello and welcome to the Fortier News Podcast with your host, James Coppert. Oi, oi. How you all doing? We are back and I do apologise for the massive delay, but get yourselves strapped in because we have got the entirety of November's 40N News right here on this show, as promised. Now, whether it's a month's gap or a week, you will get that period of news within the next show. That is my promise. That is my guarantee. And we have one heck of a show here for you today. I'm really proud. And as I said, we're improving each time. There is reasons for the, the massive gap, as you heard in my announcement. You know, I'm not the most well person. It's not been the greatest of weeks, but we also have the Christmas curse here at the residence of the 40N headquarters. Every single year, without fail, something breaks the month before Christmas when money's the tightest. So this year, my electricity went, and when I say my electricity went, I meant all my electricity. I had no lights, no internet, no uh, way of getting hot water, no means of cooking. So obviously that took some some time to uh, organise. And I was actually going to record the night that it blew as well. Um, but then I also had another whole week of 40N News to research and write up. So it's Sunday night, it's now midnight, it's past midnight actually, and I'm going to try and get as much done tonight as I can because I want this show out as soon as possible. If you're new here and you've come over from, you heard the story on Jim Howard's campfire, I'd like to welcome you all. Thank you so much for coming to check out the 40N News podcast. Really appreciate you coming on over. And for those of you that haven't heard, um, I'm on the latest episode of Jim Howard's campfire. It is episode 477, entitled The Creepiest Campsite, where I just tell you two strange kind of head scratches that went on in my life that are definitely worth checking out. Um, If you haven't heard Jim Harold's campfire before, Jim Harold has been going uh, one of the longest in the podcasting world in the paranormal. He also does the paranormal podcast. The campfire is different people from all over the world who have had strange, weird paranormal experiences they come on the show, they talk to Jim, and then he compiles them all, all the different stories, into one big show, which is just absolutely brilliant entertainment, fascinating, and, and you'll absolutely love it. If you like this show, you'll absolutely love Jim, and he's one of the originators. And, and I must say, I spoke to him twice now, and he's a genuine, lovely guy. It's a real privilege to speak to him. Um, so, yeah, go and check that out and give him your support. He really does deserve it. If you are new and you want to know what this is about, well, this is the 40N News podcast. And I scale the news every single day to find the 40N stories. That's everything from the paranormal to uh, UFOs, cryptids, ghosts, poltergeists, and just weird and wonderful news stories. I compile them all together in this show, um, which I hope you find entertaining. Now, I just want to give a little warning. Obviously, this show is classed as universal, suitable for all. However, there is a mention of certain sexual activity in some parts of the show. And although I don't kind of say it explicitly or graphically in ways children would understand, I just wanted to let you know that it is there. So maybe just kind of like keep those ears at bay for some parts of it. I'll leave that up to your discretion. But some of the stories were either too good or too weird to miss out. And lastly, before I'm going to do the emails and the kind of update partway through the show this time because I want to get straight into the news but I just want to say that I do dedicate this entire podcast this week to Origami Nick um, for reasons I'll make clear when I go through the roundup of emails and everything so thank you Nick and this show is dedicated to you so without further ado here is the 40N News Podcast cheers
is a roundup of this month's ghost news. Amazon Prime has a new comedy show about ghost hunting created by Nick Frost and Simon Pegg called Truth Seekers. The pair, famous for classics such as Paul, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz, are geniuses behind the new show. I'm yet to see it, but the trailer does look promising and it does look like the pair aren't scoffing at fans of the paranormal, but celebrating the fascination and the wackiness that we all adore. As part of the promotion, Simon and Nick have been telling some of their own brushes with the supernatural forces themselves. In an interview with the Metro, the friend said that they used to sit in churchyards in the night, hoping to catch some sort of spirit on an evening stroll out of their grave. Instead, they would spot something like a blackbird flying out the tree where it was roosting, which would startle them, and so they would run off screaming, urinating in their trousers with fear, their words. However, one night, Nick Frost ran and slipped on the wet ground, knocking himself unconscious. Simon Pegg was shouting for him repeatedly, and hearing no answer, decided he was being pranked and went to eat a chow mein from the takeaway, leaving his mate passed out on the floor. They also had one truly unexplained story. Nick Frost admitted he was once laying on the couch watching TV when he felt a woman's hand reach his face from behind and kiss him. He turned around, expecting it to be his flatmate, only to find he was still alone in the room. Maybe this was the foreplay of a succubus and Nick missed out on the ride of his life, a scene I doubt will features on the Truth Seekers show. As a genuine ghost hunter myself, I'll have to watch it and let you know what it's like, but it demonstrates the huge increase in popularity of the spirit world in the mainstream at the moment. You may remember I reported a photo in Tantalon Castle in East Lothian, showing a man in a doorway up in the castle tower. Well, I've done some further research and found the same figure was photographed in the same doorway in 1977, 2008 and now 2020. The man stands in the ruined tower in a doorway on the second floor, unreachable due to stairs and floor no longer being part of the structure. He wears clothing of the past with a neck ruffle, dark tunic with red sleeves. His stern face is topped with long hair and looks to be some sort of Scottish aristocracy. I will try and do a bit more research to see if I can find the matching person who lived at said castle to the person matching this description. But if anyone else hears anything, please do let me know via the usual email. Another positive aspect of the increase in popularity and wanting to understand the paranormal is the media is also taking more of an interest in reporting stories. Such as this next one by the Sheffield Star, who reported that the Stockbridge Bypass built in 1988 has had strange occurrences since the building work started and now is a regular focus of paranormal activity. For listeners on the other parts of the world, a bypass is a road that travels around a certain area. The paranormal activity started even when the road was beginning to be built. Two security guards were on patrol when they saw two children playing on the building site. Knowing it to be dangerous and wanting to remove them, they approached the two children. However, before they had reached them, the two children vanished before their very eyes. Absolutely dumbfounded, the security guards were looking for evidence that these two children that they both witnessed were there, but they couldn't even see any footprints where the two children were stood, or even anywhere in the area. Cars driving on the road 
have claimed to suddenly find a passenger riding with them before they vanish again. This received a bit more credence when it was revealed that recently this happened to two police officers who noticed a strange musty smell in the car and then they saw a monk in a habit sat in their back seat before vanishing. I had a similar thing happen to me but not on this road but the story begins with my ex-girlfriend's father who was driving along back to his home in Hunmanby in North Yorkshire. As he was driving along the road, a man suddenly appeared in front of his car and he bent backwards, Merv said, like in the Matrix style, and appeared to go under the car. But when they stopped and looked, obviously there wasn't no one there. My friend Kyle was working with me one evening and I was driving him back as his car was in the garage and he lived in Hunmanby and I was regaling him with this interesting story. But I dropped him off home and set off back along the same road. And as I was driving along, I turned to my left and saw a man in a flat cap and wax jacket sat in the passenger seat of my car. Now, obviously, at first, I thought this was a real person, had somehow got in my car and I hadn't noticed him. And it made me jump and I slammed the brakes on. And as I slammed the brakes on and looked again, he'd vanished. The first thing I did was jump out of my car, <laughs> look around, and my heart was racing faster than it ever should be. Definitely not a situation I want to repeat, especially when driving a car. Also featured in last month's show, I reported, was the British version of I'm a Celebrity TV show, which was due to film in the reputedly haunted Welsh castle. And so it came to pass. Please forgive my Welsh pronunciation, but Gwaerich Castle in Abakele caused some of the film crew to literally refuse to work in parts of the building, according to Cheshire Live. If you're interested in hearing about 100 years of ghost stories from this castle, I did feature it on last month's show. So if you want to learn about that, please do go and check it out. In the show that is now finished, many of the film crew were reluctant to go in the castle at night, with some even completely refusing. Now, what is interesting is even those who were total sceptics before will now no longer enter alone at night, and most wouldn't go in unless they really had to. On the very first night of filming, an unexplained and unaccounted for woman appeared in the window of the castle. Other film crew saw strange faces around. They reported horrifying noises, and no, I don't just mean Ant and Dex commentary, while others have reported seeing shadow people, hearing screams, and some even saw a woman in a dress who floated. The most bizarre account that's come out from the TV show was an old woman who told a male member of staff, you can't go this way. So the man turned around and went the other way. But the old lady was already there, completely inexplicably and impossible in the amount of time without passing him, who said, you're not allowed here. I'm sure now filming has ended. More news stories will continue to break, which I will report as soon as I see as a really strange coincidence, though, the show also made the news because two different people have spotted a black panther near the same castle grounds in less than a month. Toby Matthew claims he was terrified when out walking his dog in the dark and saw a huge cat ahead on the path, which he managed to capture on a compelling camera footage. This follows another sighting in Flintshire, nearby, only a few weeks previously. Has all this focus and energy on this one point caused all these different paranormal activities to increase? And now for another story which I'm sure we haven't heard the last of occurring in Kazakhstan. 
On November the 11th, Kazakhstan news site Tengarin News broke a story regarding the haunting of the village of Kankol in western Kazakhstan, where people are that terrified, the governor said even men are crying with fear, a comment relating to the very macho patriarchal country. Footage has been caught on dashcams, and people are that deeply in fear that the governor has ordered police to go ghost hunting. It all started when a truck driver saw a girl approaching his freight truck, almost causing the driver to crash before the girl vanished into thin air. Stories started to spread of the spirit, knocking on car windows, appearing inside driving vehicles, and attempting to force vehicles off the road, with the whole area being grasped in the claws of terror, and grown Kazakhstani men crying tears of fear. Something had to be done, and quick. The head of nearby village, Talal Kaziev, came to the area to try and deal with the spirit. Now, if I went, I would have taken a few mediums, done a few nights of investigation and research, tried to capture a few EVPs, see if I could communicate with whatever was going on or even debunk it. Talal tried a different method, which I have yet to try, but who knows if it works. What he did was he committed a sacrificial sacrifice by slitting a sheep's throat to get rid of the evil spirits. It is yet unclear if this technique has worked, or in fact, if the village is now haunted by the ghost of a sheep. Footage has appeared of the woman in a long white dress drifting in the road. Police said they're trying to investigate if this is actually a prank or the result of mass hallucination, although how you hallucinate something caught on camera, I don't quite know. I'm sure this is a story that we haven't heard the last of yet and will keep running on. Yorkshire Live reported that Barnsley Antique Centre on Doncaster Road has been hit by a spate of paranormal activity. Dan Parker, who owned the store for six years until the first lockdown this year, experienced what he called unexplained encounters. The shop would be closed on a night and in the morning he would unlock the door only to find that things had moved or fallen over. To find out what was going on, he would check CCTV, and then he started to upload the videos onto YouTube. In one video, a cabinet suddenly has some faces appear in it before it explodes, and in another, a fairy can be seen flying around, which, to my eyes, looks a lot like Daddy Longlegs. Parker reported that many customers would come in, but then suddenly leave but then would message the shop to explain the paranormal reason afterwards. I do find it interesting that often antique shops do seem to be haunted. Is it because invariably antique shop owners tend to buy these very old antique buildings in the first place as a perfect setting to sell their goods? Or is it because they hold these objects which have been part of people's lives and used while they were living and endued with their spirit in essence? Or is it a combination of having these objects in a shop where people are coming in and out in the mixture of both creating this static and friction which then causes the paranormal activity? As always, let me know what you think. Staying in Yorkshire and Rotherham ghost hunters were investigating the derelict Lord Line building in Hull and were filming the session before they started screaming and running for the exit. The reason for this? Well, 
The trio of Lee and Lindsay Steer, along with psychic medium Mark Smith, were doing a session on the Spirit Box radio, asking questions and listening for answers. When a rock is thrown at the group, which you can clearly hear in the footage, leaving the group saying, let's get out of here, before making a quick dash for the exit. What the group found really interesting is when they replayed the footage, just as the rock is thrown, they can hear the spirit box say the word stone. Stone throwing and stones manifesting in the air are a common feature of poltergeist activity, with the stones often different from any stones in the area. Some have even been witnessed in prison cells, in one case where the prison chief and two guards were looking in the door inexplicably as stones were just manifesting from the ceiling and falling to the ground. Last year, police visited a house in India where stones were repeatedly being thrown at the roof and sides of the building. The police looked around everywhere and found no culprits and the stones continued to be thrown. In fact, if you're a new listener to this show, if you go back to episode 5.5, I uploaded some footage when we were at Prudhoe Castle and I was in a room asking the whatever was there to, to do something and you can hear a stone being thrown right at my partner as she screams and runs off. You can hear the stone hit the wall and drop to the ground. And what was interesting is this was a sandstone building. There were no other stones in the room of this castle. And this rock was dark brown, completely different rock, a smooth pebble, different to even any rocks outside as well, which kind of shows that it just manifested. And we looked everywhere to find a similar rock and couldn't. Really interesting and fascinating. Definitely worth another listen if you haven't already. Coventry Live reported the story behind the pub called the Phantom Coach. The pub is named after a coach travelling in the 19th century from Coventry to Cheltenham, which disappeared one night and no trace of the coach or the people in it were ever seen again. Although they were never seen again, they were and still are heard. Many people for hundreds of years have heard the coach returning in the night. They hear the hooves and the rumble of a coach's wheels. But when they look down the street, it is empty. Inside the pub also has its own goings on, with rapping, as in... Not what someone thought it was when I told them about rapping. Not someone spitting bars in the bar, like... I need some spirits, give me some whiskey, no other ghost is ever going to diss me. Miss me, no, I'm a full-blood apparition. I keep on haunting to your superstition. You know, not like that, like this. Just as a side note, and to let you recover from that, um, some scientists actually went to a house where rapping was going on, and they recorded it, and they looked at the sound waves. Now, what was absolutely mind-blowing is the sound waves created by the spirit raps could not be recreated or reproduced by tapping on anything in the house. In fact, they'd never seen that type of sound wave before. They couldn't work out how it was made, and it was completely different by the normal waves when someone actually taps on something. That just blows my mind. It makes me a mind boggle. Anyway, back to the Phantom Coach. The ghost, nicknamed Charlie, apparently winds up staff by disconnecting barrels, jotting things, and rattling the bottles down in the cellar. Many of the bar staff won't go down in the cellar alone, and they keep a chair down there so Charlie's the place to sit on. So frequently is the activity that people travel from all over the country to visit the pub and often come back again for more. And before I'm asked, jotting, J-O-T-T, is where something disappears and then just reappears again, and it stands for just one of those things, which often appears in 
poltergeist activity and hauntings. So you'll put something on the side, it'll vanish, you'll search everywhere for it, and it'll either appear somewhere else or appear in the same place you've looked a thousand times. Again, a return to last episode where I spoke about the amazing footage of a camera lifting up by its own accord at Walton Hall in Liverpool. Again, the Liverpool Echo has uploaded footage from the truth be known paranormal group who visited the criminally derelict beautiful building of Walton Hall. They captured knocking from the cellar and they saw shadow figures. One door, they said, was completely jammed and couldn't open. And yet, while they were in the room and talking, the door mysteriously just opened by itself. The website Only In Your State ran a strange feature on the 28th of November about Helen's Bridge, built in 1909 in North Carolina. Unknown if the legend began because people were experiencing paranormal activity, or if paranormal activity happened after the legend. The story begins that once Zealandia Mansion was built, Helen's Bridge was constructed in 1909 to connect the mansion to the road. Living near Zealandia Mansion, Helen was home asleep and woke to find her house ablaze. Helen ran to save her beloved child, but passed out from smoke inhalation, sadly before she could place her baby in her loving arms. Firefighters managed to pull Helen out the building, unconscious but alive. But sadly, the innocent baby was left inside to be cremated by the fire's unforgiving flames. Helen understandably felt that she could not carry on. Her grief weighed more than a mountain on her heart and she tied a rope around her neck and swung from the bridge that now bears her name. People claim to feel a sense of being watched by unseen eyes, while others see a shadow following them, which disappears when stared at directly. Others who happen on the bridge at the right time, or even who are more sensitive, have claimed to see Helen wandering, lost and alone on the bridge. Maybe a residual spirit replaying the moment Helen contemplated her life and her ending, Others have even claimed to speak to Helen on the bridge about her child before she vanishes. It's not just sightings alone. Some other factors common and reputable hauntings occur. Those stopping to investigate the bridge have found that their car batteries drain suddenly when they return to their cars. Others, with no knowledge of the bridge's history, find their car suddenly cuts out when driving underneath the bridge. A possible attempt to charge around batteries so this tortured soul can still be seen? The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette has reported that the beautiful Captain's Watch Inn is for sale. The house boasts eight bedrooms, six full bathrooms, and according to reports, a few ghosts, all for $310,000. The building which holds weddings captured a blurry photo of a woman sat in a chair surrounded by guests, and yet none of the wedding guests remembered the person or what she was wearing from the party. Another day, a blurred figure suddenly appears next to wedding guests in their photos by the tree. One night, a female ghost hunter tried to capture an EVP and heard the words, Hey, they're good looking, repeated back as clear as day. Three children have disappeared in North Sumatra in Indonesia, and this week in Asia have reported that the spirits in the area are not helping because they are annoyed. The sulky pants spirits are fed up because shaman do-gooders, known as Dukan, 
have travelled from all over the country to try and help, but it's made local spirits and spirit creatures annoyed, making the whole place increasingly busy like a paranormal stew. The petulant spirits have stated that they will not speak to the Dukan, because there's too many Dukan, with different methods, different messages coming through and different spirit guides, until all the Dukan unite and work together, so there is one clear and consistent message coming through, they will not help. Therefore, the police have passed a bylaw forcing all paranormal activity to cease for two weeks. If you thought Western missing children cases were harrowing and weird, you've not seen anything yet. Some Dukan are very famous and well-known for being brilliant at locating lost things. So this group of successful Dukan banded together to see who has taken the children. What they found was, it was a bunion. No, not a big lump on the side of your foot. A bunion is a supernatural creature from the forest, usually benevolent, who are invisible to most and whose legs face backwards. They are translated in English as either hidden or whistling people and are known to take children to be their pets. What is unusual is most bunions are quite small, little people, but this particular bunion was very tall and it was also covered in fur. The Dukan said that when they asked where the children were, the ground began to shake around them and many of the Dukan fled in fear. The police themselves state publicly that they believe it is a human kidnapping, but they do admit that they find it very strange that the case has no leads whatsoever. Let's hope the petulant spirits get their act together and help the Dukan and the police find these three precious souls so they can return home to their families. Grimsby's local newspaper is looking for links into a reported witcher circle in Wheelsby Woods. There is a small raised copse of trees which some experts potentially believe is an Anglo-Saxon burial ground, but rumours persist that it is used by a witch's coven. Some locals are concerned because obviously a bunch of women who care for wildlife and nature taking part in spiritual activity in the privacy of their own circle is a big concern in a world full of murder and hate. The dangers in this fearful and misogynic thinking can sadly be seen in modern day India which has seen a rise in the brutal beatings and even murder and torture of usually poor, mainly women who have been accused of being witches and bringing disease and bad luck onto their villages. Because when there's a global pandemic, people want someone to blame and they attack the poorest and weakest in our societies instead of working together. Humanity never learns and sadly, every week, I'm reading another story of another woman beaten, tortured or murdered, often in horrific circumstances. People ask me why I'm not scared when I go into a reputed haunted house or a place where poltergeist activity is going on to investigate. And they always give them the same answer. When I was little and scared to go to sleep because I knew things were in the house, my grandma used to say to me, it is the living you need to fear, not the dead. And she was right. Microsoft News reported that British actor Martin Kemp, best known for roles in the soap EastEnders, and films like The Cray Twins, as well as being the bass player in Spandau Ballet, has revealed that he has a mate who is a ghost who saved his life once. When Martin was a kid, 
Him and some mates used a Ouija board, which spelled out, as the room went colder, a message for Martin. I am your guide. My name is Len. Martin has said Len has been there for him in life a thousand times over the years, but one time in particular, he actually saved his life. One morning, Martin left the house and was about to cross the road when he heard a voice in his ear slowly and determinedly say, Go back in the house. Martin said that he did as he was guided, and as he did, he turned to see a car career off the road to the exact spot where he would have been stood. Had the voice not spoken, he would have been mowed down. Martin reveals this and other stories in a new book he's releasing. He thinks it was obviously not his time. Some force was trying to take him. Did the universe send someone else to stop that happening? The Daily Star has reported some spooky footage from an office building. The manager of the office said that he saw a figure in one of the offices one day, but in his words, he put it down as a hallucination from being paranoid. However, a few days later, a security firm was called out after a door opened. But when they turned up, the office was empty. They investigated the CCTV and they were creeped out to see the door in question have the blind in the window be slowly and carefully pulled all the way up before the door slowly opens seemingly by itself. Now, doors are one thing. You could blame atmospheric conditions. But the blind being slowly pulled up, that's more inexplicable. I would love to do an investigation in this building. Also in the Star, on the 18th of November, workers at a wedding venue were left terrified after some intense CCTV footage. The venue where a worker once saw a little boy run across the room and then disappear were left horrified when CCTV footage shows both sets of doors in the room explode open with extreme force. I have seen much door opening footage which could easily be faked but the intensely heavy and fast nature of these cumbersome doors bursting open at both ends of the room would be very hard to simulate. The only comparison I can give you it's if you imagine an internal explosion bursting out and exploding the doors open. Also, you have to look at motivation. A wedding venue, a place of gentle romanticism, isn't exactly going to generate more business by creating evidence of a violent poltergeist. In fact, it would scare most customers away. Of course, if there was a way of suddenly increasing the pressure in the room, then potentially we're seeing that pressure suddenly escaping. But surely the manager, who walked straight into the room to see what the noise was, would have also been affected by that pressure in the building. That's why this, for me, makes it some very compelling evidence. This, like other videos and stories, are all collated on the Flipboard app. That's F-L-I-P-B-O-A-R-D. So go on there and search for the 40N News Podcast and all the stories that feature tonight, amongst many others, you can see all the news stories, the photographs and the videos all there. So go and have a look and you can judge it all for yourself. On the 16th of November, the Daily Mail reported that a man has been cleared of assaulting his partner by claiming her injuries were caused by a poltergeist. The man spoke to the paper and stated he had three years of hell after his girlfriend was possessed. 
He said that she would go in a trance-like state before spouting Latin. He claims that lights would turn on and off in the home and objects fly off the walls, leaving his partner with horrible bruising and horrific-looking scratch marks. A local priest said he can't confirm that she is possessed, but he will verify the claims about all the activity in the home and its effect on the man's partner, who was in, at that time, a catatonic state. The pair are no longer together, and the man said he blocked her number after receiving strange texts in Latin. I am not doubting this man's claim, but I just want to say, as someone who's passionate about domestic violence, whether it's a poltergeist or not, if you're a victim of abuse by a person, or by what they say is a poltergeist, please get help today. When it's safe to do so, call in the UK 0808 2000 247. That is 0808 2000 247. You are always worth getting help. Barclays Bank has done some research in the UK. What they found is Geordies are the most likely to have seen a ghost of around 32% of them, with the least likely to see a ghost being Leeds, who only account for about 10%. If British people knew a house was haunted, 67% said they would still put an offer on the house, but would expect 19% to be taken off the asking price. A man named Jesse Morgan recently made claims supported by Trump they drove thousands of dodgy voter ballots supporting the voter fraud conspiracy. I'm not getting into that, as there are too many news reports and not enough show. However, those who are opposed to Trump are trying to discredit Morgan due to his belief in the paranormal, with the Daily Beast calling it a biographical detail that prompts the validity of Morgan's already dubious claim. This is because Morgan used to be a ghost hunter, moved his family out of their home, after seeing a shadow person in the house. However, Morgan found his new house to be also haunted, and while filming on his YouTube channel, the article states a knick-knack suspiciously moves before a picture flies off the wall. Morgan thinks he has been haunted by multiple shadow people, and even made a documentary called The Shadows Amongst Us, claiming he and his brothers are attacked by these dark entities. However, Morgan has now deleted all his paranormal videos, seemingly wanting to become an magastar instead. But I just want to say, if the Daily Beast is listening, please dispel political conspiracies with whatever evidence you see fit. But don't use the witnessing of paranormal activity as a question of one's corpus mente. There are quantum physicists far more intelligent than you and I who have evidenced their veracity. Although they don't and can't claim to know the cause of it, they've proven, unequivocally, that unexplained phenomena exist. It is arrogance to snivel and chide at those who are brave enough to stand up tall and say, this is what I saw, when they know that they will be sniped at at being of questionable sanity. There may be many reasons to discredit Morgan for what he's stating, but his belief in the paranormal is frankly lazy journalism and only fuels the fire of the right who claim that you have nothing else to go on. Police chaplain Pastor Monzel has been featured in the news after his home in Florida filmed a strange shape caught by his motion camera in the night, which lasted for hours. The shape looked like it was made of smoke and in the form of a halo, was flying around the room 
moving back and forth in strange motions, and at other points started splitting apart into other shapes before continuing its movement around the room. What does make me dubious in thinking this is more a camera fault is that no matter where the halo moves in the room, its size stays the same when, due to perspective, if it went deeper in the room you would expect it to appear smaller and closer you'd expect it to be bigger on the screen. However, no matter where it goes, it maintains its same size. Chills have been rising after a Reddit post on November the 7th was uploaded by a woman begging for help. The CCTV footage shows a strange being with a Beatles haircut peek around the doorway at the end of the hall, even though she lives alone with a baby and no one else was in the house. What makes it extra weird though is if you look closely, the thing has no hands, just a bunch of what appears to be tentacles, as if it's something straight out of a HP Lovecraft story. However, another explanation could be the figure is just holding something. Let me know your opinions, because to be honest, I've watched this a few times, and I am stumped. And finally, in this week's Ghostly News, Jeff Higgins and his team from the New Forest Paranormal Investigations carried out an investigation in Knowlton Church in Cranbourne on Saturday the 21st of November, and the Daily Echo reported they think they caught a ghost on camera around 10.30pm. Jeff stated that in the church at night, the mel meter went up to 50.8, indicating a high electromagnetic field. Jeff uploaded the video taken by his son, who says it's the best evidence they have had in 11 years of investigating. Jeff also states that he's sure this is an intelligent entity, rather than a residual one. And of course I was very excited as a fellow investigator to see this footage for myself. With all due respect to Jeff, I don't see a ghost, let alone evidence of an intelligent haunting. I'm going to upset a few people here, but as always I do feel I have to be honest. This is what I fight against when I'm personally trying to be taken seriously, when gathering evidence to share with those in the scientific field, or who don't want to believe in the paranormal. Evidence must be solid. This is a formless white waft that goes across the screen. Now, if it was in the shape of a human, where you could see physical features, or even the gait of the person walking, that would be incredible evidence, and it's something I've witnessed myself in the form of Brompton's Grey Lady, who has been seen for centuries. If I showed this to a debunker, they would view it as another torch shining from a distance, a small patch of fog, the moon opening in the cloud, and a spot of light shining through or even an investigator's fart lingering in the freezing November night's air. Certain evidence of a ghost or an intelligent ghost at that, it is not. Although we want to desperately provide evidence and of the unknown and get exciting when we capture things, in order to be taken seriously, we must be strong in what we proclaim, or we will never have their ear or be taken seriously. We shouldn't even say this is a ghost. What we should state is this, we think, is unexplained phenomena captured. Others may disagree with this, and that is absolutely fine. But as someone who literally this week has spent hours fighting my corner against what I know is truly unexplained, against people who want to ridicule you for even believing the unexplained could occur, when we show things like this video, which could be anything, 
as definitive proof of something intelligent. They just laugh us off as tinfoil hat-wearing cranks who belong in a mental hospital, rather than those willing to use discernible scientific procedure to document what cannot be explained. I'm sure Jeff is a great scientist and a great ghost hunter and just got carried away with the excitement of capturing some evidence. But unlike other areas of science, we are fighting against people who wish to ridicule us, who are so fanatically wedded to their beliefs that they will refuse to believe any evidence that we present them, no matter how compelling, no matter how no one else can explain them. But we can gain respect and validity by completely debunking everything that may have a different explanation until what we're left is the absolute unequivocal evidence that something else is going on and then present this demonstrating all the other evidence we've got rid of because it's not scientifically valued and valid as the other evidence that we have captured we don't then become ghost hunters we became scientists performing experiments in the field gathering evidence because some of us knows that this stuff does go on some of us have witnessed it sometimes in front of multiple people when it's impossible to all hallucinate the same thing at the same time, even under laboratory conditions. Sorry for my little rant, and I hope I haven't offended anyone. It's just, I'm passionate about this stuff. And the more people that we can get on our side to actually believe in what is definitely out there, helps us to gain more and further understanding into what actually is going on. my voice sounds a little bit different in this part of the show it's because i finished recording that part at about quarter past three in the morning last night which uh, after i had a bath and then actually got in bed left me without three hours sleep to work the next day um it's now half past 10 so on tuesday no monday evening so i don't even know what day it is so hopefully we'll get done by the end of tonight and the show will be up there ready for you to listen to um, just wanted to let you know in case you thought I suddenly just for some reason had put some voice effects on. Now, as I said at the start, uh, this show is dedicated. Uh, it's very special dedication. And this goes out to, if you go on Twitter and go to at origami Nick, N-I-C-K, uh, this show is dedicated to you, Nick. I was really touched. I opened a parcel last week and inside was some of the most exquisite, beautiful little origami Fortean creatures um, made especially for me as a thank you for the show. I'll be honest, and I'm man enough to say that I did actually have tears in my eyes. Um, I was so grateful and so thankful and felt so humbled in receiving these beautiful gifts. Um, I have actually set up, especially just to show this off, and I'm going to, as soon as I post this show, I'm going to take some photos to show everyone. Um, so you can see how amazing they are so if you go onto 410 news podcast on uh instagram on facebook and on twitter they'll all be on there and he made a pumpkin a black cat a ghost and this just brilliant alien and um, they're all just so beautiful and my children actually nick 
uh, want to know how you make them, so you might have to do an instruction video. Um, and today I noticed that I've retweeted, he's made a baby Yoda, which is also just incredible. Such a talented man. I think he can make anything out of paper. Um, it's such a wonderful skill, and I just love it. So thank you so much, Nick. Honestly, I'm not just saying it, it really did mean the world to me, you know. Um, I was really touched, and I'm so very, very grateful. It, it just, it did make me feel absolutely wonderful. So thank you so much. Next, uh, I got an email from Dan in Hensworth, who told me that I said incredible an incredible amount of times, and it was incredibly annoying. So please, could I stop saying incredible an incredibly amount of times and stop being so incredibly annoying? Dan. I do take on board what you said. I went back and listened, and I have to agree. I did say incredible a lot the last show. So I really am grateful for you letting me know, and I've been more aware this this show and made sure I didn't put the word in so much. I do find this stuff incredible, and it is incredible, um, but there are a lot more words that I can use, so thank you for letting me know. This is your show, uh, so constructive criticism is welcomed. If you have any ideas, please do get in touch. As I've said from the very first show, I want this to be a community. Um, it's not just about me. It's about you, the listeners, um, uh, getting involved and getting in touch. This is your show as well as mine. All I do is do the work, but you're the ones that listen and, and get the entertainment from it. So please do get in touch and be involved. Um, as I said, I've just spoke about all the uh, social media spaces that you can find it. Um, but also 40N News Podcast at gmail.com. Get in touch there as well. Be lovely to hear from you all. Uh, the next email, I, I did have to laugh. Like, uh, <laughs> So um, I received an email from Courtney in Portland who said, her mum, Kathy, heard her listening to the show and fell in love with my voice and accent. They said that they were even more surprised when they looked me up online and they stated that my face was as beautiful as my voice was. Well, what can I say? <laughs> uh, thank you, Kathy and Courtney. Um, if you get in touch, I can recommend some good opticians. Um, but Courtney's asked if I could say something sexy for a mum. I did have a really good think, and I don't know what I would say that is sexy. Uh, I do find quantum physics pretty sexy and could do a narrative on the uh, on how scientists have discovered that light can travel interdimensional, if you like, or talk about the God particle. Um, but that's about as sexy as I get, I think. But seriously, though, thank you just so much for listening to the show and just for getting in touch. So uh, the next one, two, two people did get in touch with me um, asking me if I have a Patreon. Um, now, we did have a little chat over email, um, and I really you know, appreciate you getting in touch. Really flattered that you, you want to sponsor the show. But at the moment, if I'm honest, I do feel uncomfortable um, doing that, just simply because I'm not getting a show out enough, regularly enough, in time enough. And if, if you guys were paying... Um, I want to have a, a regular schedule where that's going on. And that will happen eventually once I get into kind of the routine of, of recording and writing and doing the research, etc. But we will get there. Um, look, if you want to support the show at the moment, the best thing that you could possibly do is just tell other people, recommend it to other people. And if you've got two minutes to spare, as I say, I've, I've, this show's probably taken me all together, maybe 40 hours to put together, as crazy as that sounds from looking at the um, looking up the stories every single day to to writing the show. The show, just for the bits, is uh, over 16,000 words, so it's more than a dissertation just for the show. Um, and, and just kind of the hours in recording as well. You know, two minutes, if you want to pay me back for that time, in just writing a review. 
I did get one review on uh, Smash Bomb, which was one out of ten, which isn't just bad. That's like the worst podcast possible in the world. And so I like I've been convinced myself that they meant to put ten and got it the wrong way round, but never mind. Um, so yeah, just please just you know give give a review and it, that helps let other people know it's out there. Um, it affects all the things like algorithms and that. I don't have an advertising budget. I don't even have time to advertise the show. Uh, so I rely on word of mouth. What's really nice is those people that do listen seem to stick around. If I look at the stats, we get new new people each time and those that do listen stick around. So I really appreciate it to all of you. So thank you so much. But yeah, if you could just even, even if you can't be bothered writing anything, if you could just press the star button and follow or, you know, that, that would really help. So thank you very much. Um, it's, you know, my, my girlfriend got, got cross at me because I, I said no, because she knows how much time I put into the show. Um, and I do actually incur a cost in terms of uh, hosting the show every single month as well. So it's something I, I, I do. But if, I, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it properly and I want it to be significant. Um, I've also would like to give you something extra if you'll give me money. Um, I'm not comfortable in just, you know, you having the same as everyone else. So if you could think of ways I can do that. I have spoken about interviews and just need to learn how to do the technology to do that. Um, and just as well, look, we spoke to a couple of people about merchandise as well. But again, with that, I'm, I don't want to do it kind of slapdash and put some rubbish things out there. Um, if we're going to make some T-shirts, I've got some friends that are amazing artists, but there's also things to consider. Like um, I used to be in a band and we wouldn't just put merch out. It all had to be on ethical threads, which meant there was no sweatshop labor involved in the production of the materials or even... Uh, making the t-shirts themselves so there's all those type of things to consider as well but we will get there um and we will make some stuff and and just see how it sells so thank you so much for everyone that has got in touch and that that for now is the way that you can support me and we will do patreon look the way that i do things is is like i said it's a community um if you want to be involved in patreon if you do want to give me money then please get in touch first and discuss how um, I can make it worthwhile. Let, let, it's, it's your forum as, as much as mine. So you tell me what you would like as part of that package. Um, and, and then we can work something out from there. How's that sound? But listen, this show will always be free. Okay. The show is because I love the Fortiana and I love researching it. And I love, I just wanted to do something, you know, um, which brings me on to my next task in a minute. But the cat was sick of me talking to it about everything I was reading in the news. So I thought I'd, I'd put it out as a podcast. But um, yeah, the next thing I was going to talk about um, really quickly before I go on to the next part of the, the proper show, um, the, the man that made this all possible, uh, a chap called Sam Kitson, is a very dear, close friend of mine who, who actually gave me the computer that I'm recording on. So I'm deeply grateful to this guy for the rest of my life for all the stuff that he's done for me. Um, but he and uh, he was talking to me about putting more of my own viewpoints into the show. Um, I find it hard to do that when it's in the format is, and it's something that is probably better doing in a conversation. But I spoke to my other friend, Sean, as well, and he made the point that, um, and I agreed with him and looked into it, I have actually done more research in the past few years into this type of thing than, um, than someone doing a professorship. So anyone that says they're an expert, is lying because you can't be an expert. All you can do is provide hypothesis. And my hypothesis on the whole paranormal kind of thing is probably a lot different to a lot of other people's. Uh, I am happy to talk about that. But what I thought I'd do, instead of having um, me just kind of doing a narrative that people might not be interested in, if you have any questions um, about anything, 
then do send them in and I will do my best to kind of answer in my own way um, with everything that I've looked at and the conclusions that I've formed that I will give you. Um, some of them probably upset people because it's not what is the common kind of understanding within in this kind of area. Um, others, people might think I'm just crackers, but I'm quite happy to answer any questions. Um, I'm hoping that... Um, sometime in the future Sam and I will actually get together and, and do something together as well he's a very intelligent and interesting guy so um, we, we could have a, an extra show on our hands that I hope you'd enjoy um, but yeah thank you Sam that was that was a, a lovely compliment actually what you said and uh, yeah definitely something that I'm interested in so if you do have a question just get in touch and we'll have a little section if you want where I, I'll just give you my my point of view and my perspectives um, and I've been on other shows that you've probably heard uh, where people have interviewed me talking about things like uh, neurodiversity and that relating to the ability to kind of see things and psychokinetic uh, things like that that is to do with the brain development from childhood into adolescence and how that differs with someone who's neurodiverse like myself um, but yeah really happy to talk as long as people have questions uh, last thing I just wanted to do a big thank you to Jonesy, who is the head of Weird AF News Podcast. Jonesy really kindly, he didn't have to do it, he gave me a uh, a little promo on his uh, Instagram page, just ask, asking people to listen. Just shows what a really lovely, humble, down-to-earth guy he is. So he's big time compared to me. Um, this guy, honestly, I honestly do not know how he does it. Like, how much work I put into one show... Um, it takes me hours this guy does one every single day um, and he basically just rambles on <laughs> and, and I don't mean that in a negative way because let me if you listen to it, let me just explain it he rambles on about the subject and makes it hilarious so it's almost like freestyle comedy like to to do that is is mind-blowing the guy is an absolute genius and he is a genuine lovely guy and he deserves your support so if you like if you listen to the end of this show, I'll be talking about just weird news uh, at the part of the 40 and thing. Jonesy just talks about um, weird news every single day. So if you want to hear more of that, then if you, you can say it to, I'm not going to say it out loud, uh, A-L-E-X-A or Google, just ask them to play weird AF news or find them on any uh, podcast host. Definitely deserves um, a, a support and follow. So go and check him out. And thank you, Jonesy, for doing that. It really meant a lot. So uh, next, we have got news on UFOs. So stay tuned for that. Hang on, James, calm down. You have got something else. Sorry, getting covered away. Um, there is one more thing I wanted to talk to you about. Um, I recently spoke to a chap called Paul Sinclair. Um, you're probably aware of Paul. He does the Truth Proof book series. Um, he's been interviewed on a few billion podcasts, as well as being featured on Coast to Coast a few times. He's really well known. Um I put posted something. I saw I had an experience in Wrinkly Woods recently, and I put up a post about it. And someone in the state said, "Have you told Paul?" And I said, "Paul who?" And then I was really shocked. Um, it was that Paul, and I found out that he lives half an hour down the road from me. So I've had a good chat with Paul, and he's. Um, I know there's a few people from this area that listen. Um, this area that I'm recording at the moment is uh, North Yorkshire. I'm on the coast in North Yorkshire. Uh, so there's anyone else that's in this area that has seen anything weird and wonderful, especially in the woods. I'm not going to say exactly what it is. Um, 
can you get in touch? Either you can get in touch with me and I'll put you in touch with Paul. Or if you look for Truth Proof on Facebook, he really wants to know and hear your stories. Um, obviously, it's better if you could be in person. But um, if you want to remain anonymous, you can send it to me and I'll pass it on as an anonymous communication. Or Paul promises to keep you anonymous as well, um, if, if that's what you want. But he really wants to know um, if you have seen or heard or witnessed or know anyone else that's witnessed any type of thing just around this area, especially in the woodland, and be really grateful. So, yeah, please do get in touch. He seems like a really wonderful guy, absolutely fascinating. Um, I could have spoken to him for hours on end. Uh, but, yeah, so please do get in touch. So, now, this really is the next part of the show. On to the news in this month's news about UFOs. seen a spate of celebrity UFO disclosures. First of all, Demi Lovato put up an Instagram post showing a video in Joshua Tree in the company of famous ufologist Dr Stephen Greer and shows what looks like an orange flying saucer flying through the night sky. Lovato posted the video along with these following words. The past few days I've spent in Joshua Tree with a small group of loved ones and Dr. Stephen Greer, I'd be offended by that, Stephen, she's saying you're not part of her loved ones, and his CE5 team. Over the past couple of months, I have dug deep into the science of consciousness and experienced not only peace and serenity like I've never known, but I've also witnessed the most incredibly profound sightings, both in the sky as well as feet away from me. The planet is on a very negative path towards destruction, but we, in capitals, can change that together. If we were to get 1% of the population to meditate and make contact, we would force our governments to acknowledge the truth about extraterrestrial life amongst us and change our destructive habits destroying our planet. This is just some of the evidence from under the stars in the desert sky that can no longer be ignored and must be shared immediately. To make contact yourself, you can download the CE5 app and it will teach you the protocols to connect a life form beyond our planet. P.S. If it does not happen on the first try, keep trying. It took me several sessions to tap into deep enough level of meditation to make contact. Happy communicating. So there you go. Have a go at meditating and will force the governments to acknowledge the truth. I gave it a go, but both Boris Johnson and Donald Trump continue to ignore just as a quick counterpoint, after hearing that, I was interested to see the C5 app and um, just to look what it did and all that type of thing. So I went and had a look and it cost £9.99 in the UK, which is near enough a tenner, which is a heck of a lot of money. So needless to say, I didn't bother downloading the app. Uh, anyone that has tried to get in touch, let me know what it's like. I'd be interested to see, but it might be okay for uh, Demi Lovato, who's a millionaire, to, to buy, but not so much for me. Continuing the celebrity UFO disclosures, on the 21st of October, The Independent and various other news outlets broke the story that gravel-throated, booty-shaking songstress Miley Cyrus has also been in touch with aliens. 
She stated that she was chased down by some sort of UFO and the encounter bleeped her up and now she can't look up at the sky the same anymore. And what was it? Was it a UFO, a black triangle? No. She stated it was some sort of flying snowplow. It glowed yellow and had a snowplow in front of it. Miley did admit that she was also high on weed at the time, so it could have been that. Although, she also went on that a friend saw it too. Now here's one of my arguments when people try and say that everyone's hallucinating when they see this type of thing. They've done experiments in laboratories where they've given people, they've put people in a dark room, um, given the same audio experience, the same visuals, so they're both getting stimulated by the same audio and visual kind of um, inputs, and they've given them hallucinogenics, and every single person hallucinates something different. So no person can hallucinate the same thing as someone else. It's literally impossible. And that is in laboratory conditions. So when we're out in the open and the audio experience and the visual experience is completely different and not controlled, that makes it even more impossible that two people will hallucinate the same thing at the same time. So what I'm saying is that it probably wasn't the weed that caused this experience. They definitely did see something. Now, if they've both seen the same thing, then they've probably seen what they've stated they've seen. Not only that, but she also stated there were other cars on the road which stopped their cars to get out and look at what they were seeing. She then went on to state that what really shook her up was there was a being sat in the front and this being made eye contact with her, which shook her up for a total of five days. Now, potentially, they thought what most of us had been thinking and that she is actually one of them. Who knows? The celebrity sightings continued on the 12th of November when UFC fighter Diego Sanchez stated he was in his New Mexico home doing what he terms energy work on his patio when a UFO flew right up to me. I called for my daughter quick, quick, and she watched this thing hover only hundreds of feet away. Albuquerque is a trip. Sightings are regular here, but this ish was contact tonight. It was obviously watching me. Later on, he tweeted, Today, a powerful portal of light energy is open. If there was a night to connect with the universe, tonight is the night. I've been celebrating all day. It's unclear what Sanchez saw and what he means by doing energy work, and he has yet to open up about his experience. Also, his, his second tweet is the type of thing I say to my girlfriend when I'm in the mood and I want to let her know without the kids realising that's what I'm talking about. The Sun reported that the Queen's husband, Prince Philip, admitted to be a huge collector of UFO books and has a deep interest in the subject, possibly so we can trace back some of his heritage. Now, it could be a complete and utter coincidence that we're just getting a load of celebrities talking about experiences and seeing UFOs. Or it could be the seemingly drip feed of information and disclosure that the American government is perpetuating at the moment. Is this a kind of a a slow release of information before they go full disclosure? Or will they continue to drip feed little pieces of information to slowly get us to believe? This all then climaxed with one of the biggest giveaways was when Barack Obama himself was asked if he was ever briefed on UFOs by Stephen Colbert Barack responded to the question with, well, I did ask about that. And when pressed, he said, I can't tell you about that. 
which is obviously another way of saying, yes, of course the USA government is aware of UFOs. He then went on to say how he finds it funny how tame the conspiracies of Roswell and UFOs are compared to today's conspiracies, probably in reference to things like QAnon and voting fraud. However, this was another huge confirmation of information straight from the horse's mouth. Staying on the subject of celebrities and UFOs for a minute, Yorkshire Live interviewed one Russ Kellett who stated he was abducted by aliens and taken up into their craft. Amazingly for Russ, this wasn't the most surprising thing that happened that day. Once Russ was aboard the ship, with tall, bald aliens around 10 foot who injected the back of his neck, he was then taken to another room and given a uniform and a weapon, and this is where he saw Take That's Robbie Williams, who was also apparently part of his unit. My biggest shock about this story was I found out Russ has moved eight minutes down the road from me. I need to track Russ down and get an interview for you guys to listen to. There has been another fast walker captured on drone footage, this time in the Saarland Forest in southwest Germany. As I mentioned on the previous show, these fast walkers are incredibly fast, tiny metal UFOs, normally the shape of a disc or metal ball which fly through the sky, not walk unlike their name suggests. This one captured is estimated to be travelling 3,600 kilometres per hour, which is possibly why we don't often see them with our naked eye. Increasingly, drone footage playback is spotting these things that we often miss. They seem to fly the height of most birds, and it's one of those things where if you saw it with your naked eye, you probably think you were seeing something, as after a split second it would be gone, and then you would just write it off as in, ah, oh, and rub your eyes. They don't seem to show any sign of propulsion, and many claim they're alien or interdimensional scouting equipment. Equally, there could be some sort of advanced experiment technology from the military or Google or something like that. Whatever they are, they are definitely strange and definitely awe-inspiring. 29th of November saw the 40th anniversary of the Todd Morden UFO encounter, celebrated by a news article in The Sun. A case still investigated today involved the small West Yorkshire town of Todd Morden and a police officer, PC Alan Godfrey, who was a serious copper. You could tell all serious British coppers because they have a massive moustache. In the early hours, PC Godfrey was patrolling on the Pennines, which is a slightly mountainous area outside of Manchester for our foreign listeners. PC Alan Godfrey was checking out reports that a herd of cows in the pouring rain had gotten out of their field and were on the road. However, despite scouring the area, the constable could find no sign of the cows, so he decided to head back to the town for one more sweep before going home to clock off for the night. His eye caught sight of an object around 100 yards up the road. At first he thought the light was a shuttle bus, until he got closer and he got a shock when he realised what he saw was most definitely not a bus. A metal object was floating in the air around 5 feet off the ground. He described it as being shaped like a diamond stone, around 20 foot wide and 14 feet high, so not a huge craft by any means. He said the upper top third had dark panelling. His headlights reflected off the object, and he also stated that he felt if he threw a brick at it, it would have gone bang. PC Godfrey went on stating that the whole bottom half was spinning in an anti-clockwise direction and was kicking up leaves and dirt from the floor. He said, well, I just sat there in awe staring at it. 
Next, my training kicked in. I put my blue flashing lights on, flipped the hazards on and attempted to radio the control room. Of course, PC Godfrey's radio didn't work and so he took out a pen and piece of paper and began to sketch what he was seeing. However, moments later, the craft emitted a brilliant white light. PC Godfrey then realised he was no longer sketching and instead was back driving down the previous road. He stated, I was about 100 yards on to the side of where that thing had been hovering. There was a strange, tickly electric feeling to the place. He then turned around and the craft was gone. All that was left was a swirled pattern of leaves and twigs below where it had been hovering. Of course, poor PC Godfrey was the butt of many jokes at the station at first, until officers from a neighbouring police force in Halifax reported seeing strange steel blue lights a few nights previous to the incidents. Once PC Godfrey went public, UFO investigator Miss Randall started to investigate and linked the sighting with a case that PC Godfrey had investigated a few months earlier when a retired miner named Mr Adamski went missing. His body was later found dumped on a 15-foot coal pile by the policeman and his death was never solved. Mr Adamski died with an expression of utter terror on his face as well as having weeping burns on his neck, shoulders and the back of his head. These wounds were then treated with some sort of strange ointment, the identity of which has never been determined. Mr Adamski was wearing a jacket, but weirdly, underneath his shirt was missing. And what makes it particularly peculiar was despite climbing on top of a 15-foot coal pile, something that is black and dirty and hard to climb, and anyone who has touched coal even for a minute knows it's impossible to not get coal dust on your hands. There was no coal dust on his hands, face or front, so they assumed that he must have been dumped there from above. Autopsy investigations also found no cause of death. Since that night, PC Godfrey has been hypnotised to go back to find out what happened from the time he was sketching to the light hitting him and him ending up down the road. What he said was, Jesus, the light, the light, I've been blinded. He then said he was floated up into the craft and met a biblical man and a group of child-sized large-headed creatures. This must mean that the ship must have been like the TARDIS as all of those couldn't fit into that small-sized shape. Since then, he isn't alone as that area of the Pennines gets around a 100 sightings of UFOs per year according to some reports. And they're the official ones that people have actually come out and reported. PC Godfrey firmly believes he was abducted that night and placed back into his car. I have one theory, however, which no one has pursued. I think PC Godfrey did find those cows. They had escaped, and to cover up the fact so they didn't get in trouble, they installed these false memories into the policeman's head. Next in UFO news... SETI have released the Exotica catalogue, listing 700 space anomalies, which could potentially be signals from alien intelligent life forms for you or astrophysicists to look into. Also reported this month, SETI astronomer and astrophysicist Seth Shostak has stated that he bets, bizarrely, all the cups of Starbucks in the world that we will discover extraterrestrials by the years 
2036. He's not alone. Also reported was Lisa Kaltenegger, director of the Carl Sagan Institute at Cornell, believes we're on the cusp of discovering alien life as they launch the James Webb Space Telescope next year. She stated, For the first time we'll be able to collect enough light from these tiny planets like Earth so we could look for signs of life from their atmosphere. She went on that numbers are in our favour. We have 200 billion stars. One out of five stars is a planet that could be like Earth. Then I like our odds. Look, I'm no astrophysicist and certainly no professor or or scientist, so I'm going to sound a little bit cocky and arrogant in saying this. But I do take a bit of an issue with many of these scientists and NASA themselves when they are looking for carbon-based life forms. The fact that we've evolved to be carbon-based life form on this planet is billions and trillions, gazillions to one chance that that occurred in evolution. Now, potentially, other life forms could be silica-based or even not physical beings in the slightest at all. Now, if you break everything down into quanta, something being could actually be light, a light consciousness, or just simply a consciousness like a thought that is there within the planet and the atmosphere and the environment. We're always looking from a human point of view, a human-centric perspective, where just because we're made out of carbon, we expect everything else to be made out of carbon, when the reality is that they could be out of anything, if they're even physical beings in the first place. Sorry, there you go, another James Coppert rant. Newsweek has reported that a mysterious object is due to fly past the Earth, and scientists are yet to know what it is. The object is being called 2020, has been ruled out as being an asteroid due to its low relative velocity and orbital plane, demonstrating it is not of natural origin, with some scientists thinking it could be space junk from the Surveyor 2 mission from the 1960s. Whatever it is, it won't be long before Donald Trump claims it is full of fraudulent voting papers, QAnon stating it's Hillary Clinton's sex toy, and everyone else that sits the cure for COVID. 2020 has been a strange year. Astronaut Tim Peakes thought he saw three UFOs flying in formation and called his fellow astronauts over to see this amazing evidence of aliens, only to discover it was leaked, crystallised droplets of Russian urine. What a piss take. Tuesday the 1st of December saw Phantoms and Monsters release an image from David Eckhart, a man who claims that he and his family are frequently abducted by non-terrestrial entities. The image, he claims, is the manifestation of a portal in his home. There is no more explanation than that, and the black and white image of what looks like someone throwing up white paint and leaving a black circle in the middle. If it is a portal, are the aliens abducting him the size of rabbits? On October the 17th, the Daily Express reported a video which was uploaded to YouTube by user DJ Eski. Described as a possible UFO sighting, the phone footage films in Parramatta, Australia, shows a spherical orb which is pulsating as it flies across the sky around the same pace as a passenger plane. Skeptics have said that it looks like a flashing light on the bottom of a plane. I wish to ask the skeptics in return, why is the light on so strongly on a bright Australian sunny day? And if it is a light on the bottom of a plane, just one big question... Where is the actual plane? 
24th of November saw the Daily Star report of a UFO seen for a week on clear nights in Kingswood, Bristol. Jason Jennings noticed it all week and started to film it and has shared the footage with NASA. However, I personally believe by the movement of the object that someone is shining a really strong torch which is hitting the clouds. I hope that has shed some light on this issue. Podium Runner reported on the 17th of October that Megan Brown saw a set of UFOs in Great Sand Dunes National Park in Moscow, Colorado, USA. The park, classed as an international dark sky park in 2019, has recorded UFO sightings since the 1600s on record. Megan described two small shiny cigar-shaped dots floating eerily still and were identical in size and shape. She also described tiny circular lights flying in the space between the objects. Are there so many sightings here because they're attracted to this area? Or are they around everywhere, but because this is so dark in the sky, it just makes them easy to see? Let me know what you think. Also on the 17th of October, the Daily Star reported a Tic Tac UFO was seen flying above a wind farm near Mount San Jacinto on Highway 62 close to Area 51. The craft, estimated to be 70 feet long, got many people excited as evidence of the spectacular intelligent objects, but others were less than happy, pointing out that the craft left no sort of shadow anywhere on the ground or on the mountain in the picture, rendering it impossible. Or is it because these are potentially holograms? Next, although this event occurred in September, the news only broke in November by various media outlets after a reported issue by UK Airprox board that a Boeing 737 nearly collided with a UFO above England, which came into 10 feet of the aircraft. The board is a government organisation that investigates aviation near misses, demonstrating that the official reports were handed in. The plane was approaching Leeds Bradford Airport, which happens to be the airport that I fly from, when they saw a bright glowing object coming almost head-on and slightly up to the left. They stated the object appeared without warning and the pilots had absolutely no time to react. The UFO passed by the plane by a mere 10 feet. The pilots then landed without any further issues. The pilots were told that a police helicopter had reported seeing Chinese lanterns that were in the area, but both pilots stated there was no way the object of that size and speed was a lantern in a typical attempt at gaslighting witnesses. Strangely, the object did not come up on radar either. Staying in Leeds, and on the 11th of November, Leeds Live reported that an object streaking across the sky in a zigzag fashion. The footage was caught by Karen Spencer on a CCTV, which caused excitement locally. However, although I am no expert, it does look more like the way a meteorite flies, leaving behind a smoke trail from the rock burning up. Talking of meteorites, an Indonesian coffin maker was working at home when a meteorite fell from space through his roof and into his house. The rock, called the Hammerstone, is estimated to be 2.5 billion years old, and the coffin maker is now a millionaire after selling it for around $2 million. The coffin maker is now retired at 33 years old and also paid for the building of a local church. I assume he's also fixed the hole in his roof. The Daily Star released a headline, Secret UFO probes hidden from UK government as military don't trust them.
I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't trust the UK government with my cat. And all you do with her is feed her twice a day. If you look at the recent track record. The UK's Ministry of Defence have a not-so-secret UFO department, and Dr David Clark says they don't trust civil servants with the information after he uncovered a defence intelligence staff study in 2005. All findings have been kept secret from the government. According to the Daily Star, the lecturer, an investigative journalist, uncovered the defence intelligence staff 400-page study into 10,000 UFO sightings in 2005. The department who investigates the cases is known as Defence Intelligent 55, DI55, who investigates any UFO reports with military significance. One report that was produced by department investigated 10,000 potential ET sightings and concluded that they have an undisputable, observable presence, but there was no evidence to suggest that they were hostile or under any type of control. Look, you get these debunkers who call you a crazy nut when you mention stuff like this. It is utterly naive to believe that a country like the UK, with advanced military, would not be looking into these things. UFO is exactly that, an unidentified flying object. Okay, they could be extraterrestrial or interdimensional, but equally, they could be advanced aircraft or droids from other terrestrial countries performing military exercises we need defending against, and I'm sure that side of things happens very frequently. So even in this discussion, to call us nuts is very naive and very arrogant. Can any of you tell that I've had a few arguments recently about this? <laughs> also in the Daily Star, on the 15th of November, people have been getting very excited after seeing a strange shape fly past the International Space Station. The article states two objects moving past the station at high speed has caused a UFO hunter frenzy. The star reports that a large glowing sphere zooms through the frame at great speed, followed by a cylindrical object. Debunkers instantly doubted it, calling it space junk, or very weirdly considering the camera is in space, a bug on the screen. While on the UFO side, UFO believers have said it's an alien incursion or the legendary Black Knight satellite, which is meant to be an alien Earth monitorer. I've seen the video and I sit in the camp of... Neither. My view is it is interesting and yet unidentified. You don't have to debunk or you don't have to believe. You can just take interest and wait for more evidence either way. On the 21st of November, the same paper reported that the camera on the space station also suddenly cut out when some very strange glowing objects appear on the screen. Of course, conspiracy theorists say that they are sure they are UFOs and NASA cut the feed as they don't want you to see it. I don't know what the objects are, but recommend you go and look as well, because they definitely are weird and interesting. Residents in Coventry were left scratching their heads when a beam of light was seen all over the city, reported by the Coventry Telegraph on the 18th of October. The laser beam was so strong it was almost solid and was seen changing shape, colour and planes from Birmingham Airport were rumoured to have to travel on an alternative flight plan as the beam was penetrating so high up into the sky. Of course the city, which has a very sad history of air attacks from the Second World War, was full of speculation as to what the beam of light was with many people thinking it was a new Independence Day 
with UFOs attacking the city appearing to be the most popular hypothesis on social media. It always pleases me that people jump to the first, most logical explanation for these things. However, it turned out that this strange-looking laser beam was actually a laser beam. Despite this, there's still a mystery unsolved. Why and whom had someone decided to beam a laser beam into the sky in Coventry on that day? A question that has yet to be answered. Maybe my scepticism is ill-informed. Maybe it is a laser beam that is actually a marker to point to the exact spot where a UFO was due to come and attack Independence Day style. However, due to COVID budget restrictions, a potential new lockdown imminent and a new series worth watching coming up on Netflix, the promised attack never actually occurred. Just a little side story here. So I moved to Coventry from London when I was a little kid and I was visiting Coventry Cathedral with my mum. Of course, before we went in, my mum told my ADHD hyperactive little butt to behave and be respectful as this was God's house. Because of this, when we went in, I approached the member of staff on the desk where we entered and asked politely, excuse me, please can Jesus come out and play? To which the lady responded, I'm very sorry, he's having his dinner at the moment. A post appeared on Reddit, which was then reported by various media outlets showing a picture that was posted on the 4chan poll board and was claimed to be a leak from the Pentagon by someone on the inside. After the 4chan post went up, it was rapidly archived, but not before many people had already saved the image. The image was then reverse searched and it was found not to have been posted anywhere previously on the internet possibly due to the poster only just working out how to use Photoshop that evening. The image was taken by someone photographing a laboratory wall with two rectangular windows in the opposite room. On the wall by the window, the numbers and letter 64F3 are crudely drawn, while in the lab you can see a person in a hazmat suit stood with arms outstretched and walking, while a naked alien grey looks on with body language that seems to say, what on earth are you doing, you muppet? The image is grainy black and white and difficult to pick out any clear detail. 4chan is reputed to be a site that hosts many genuine government leaks and Reddit users, on the whole, seem to find this image convincing. Can I just say before we go any further though, as a try and be a show that is for all ages, I'd never heard of 4chan before, so while researching this, I thought I would check out the site which is apparently an image-based bulletin board. However, can I just say, do not load it if you're with your kids or if you're at work or under 18. The advert that was streaming on the front of the site was, let's just say, not something you would want to be caught watching in public. I had a number of questions, though, from looking at the image. No, not that one. That one left me with no questions. The one of the alien grey. First of all, what does 6, 4, F... Dash three mean? And why did it all look like I had written it with my left hand while blindfolded if it's some kind of scientific facility? Secondly, you are taking a photo that could potentially be one of the most important and historic documentation images in the history of mankind, which is either being taken as an official documentation or because you want to secretly leak an image to the world to prove that aliens exist. Why then? would you use a camera that is, at best, the quality of a pinhole camera rather than a sharp digital image? 
Even Victorian photos were better than this. Or is my guess actually correct? Is this actually a government facility and so all electronic devices are scanned for and left at the door and so the only way that they can manage to capture a photographic image is by making a pinhole camera out of a small box and photography paper. However, if you're going to go to all that effort and risk not only your job but a potential court-martial and even accusations of treason by smuggling this image out and breaching the Secrecy Act, why would you then post it with so little information or explanation to back up your claim? It just doesn't all add up to me. Regular listeners of the show will know I am a huge fan of UFO sightings daily author Scott C. Waring, whose outlandish theories also never add up to me. However, I have to take my hat off to Scott this time for something that is a real genuine piece of mind-blowing evidence of secret military technology. You may be surprised at this, as since the show began, I've guffawed at Scott, who looks at something vague and decides it's unequivocal evidence. But this time, he's truly onto something, and I recommend that every listener goes and check out this video themselves. The Daily Express reported that Scott's video on the 19th of October where Scott has been looking at Google Earth, as he does, and searched Dias AFB in Texas, which is a B-1 bomber base. Scott zooms in on Google Earth and shows the base full of B-1s, and then points to an empty slot, which he says, and here is a B-1 bomber covered in a cloaking device. At first I giggled, as a look as what is just an empty piece of tarmac, until Scott then zooms in. I was then astonished to see what is an obvious, almost translucent, invisible 3D shape of a bomber. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Seriously, there is an almost invisible plane there. To describe it, clear water is perfectly transparent. But if I could create water in its liquid form to form a shape and remain perfectly still, it would be transparent, but at the same time, the human eye would still discern some sort of shape present, and that is exactly what this plane looks like. You will have noticed that I'm pretty hard to please when it comes to evidence and rubber stamping it as real. But this is on Google Earth, so it's not being manipulated by some spotty kid in their bedroom. And I am saying that there 100% is an almost invisible plane there. How long have the USA military had this technology? And do they use it on humans? And if so, does this explain some modern ghost sightings? You can see how my mind works. Who knows? This list of questions could be limitless. But get online, check it out and give me your feedback. I would love to hear it. Our friend Scott also appeared in the Express on November the 23rd, stating that he discovered pyramids on the moon that, again, were 100% proof that aliens were on the moon. NASA responded with a long explanation as to what they actually were. But just to clarify... I'll sum it up their response to Scott in one word. Bollocks. This month it was also reported by various media outlets that an 80 mile radius of Texas had seen four mysterious UFOs flying in changing formations across the sky, blowing onlookers' minds. As had the video footage, which has also been uploaded to various streaming sites. The UFOs were seen to go from a kite formation into a square one, with witnesses stating they then went into a straight line. Debunkers claimed they were Chinese lanterns again, but if that is the case, 
then they must be lanterns that are the size of a house and able to fly in different formations. On the 3rd of December, the Daily Mail reported of leaked photos from the Pentagon, which a silver cube is seen hovering 35,000 feet over the Atlantic, and classified reports fear they are operating underneath the seas. The second leak report tells of the infamous black triangle with lights in each of its three corners shoot from under the ocean and then straight up into the air. The reports are apparently leaked from the Department of Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. Who is leaking these documents? Is this more of my previous mentioned purposeful drip feeding of the USA government into the community consciousness? And if it is, if that is the case, why are not more media outlets mind-blowingly excited about this news. Why is it not every main headline on every TV news station, on every newspaper printed? I just don't get it. This is so exciting if it's true and it's real, which could potentially be verified. The Argus reported that Susie Skiddy was out taking pictures of a beautiful sunrise on Wednesday the 2nd of December at 7am and when she got home she realised she had caught an object in the sky. Looking at the picture, I do think that this is actually an advanced military plane. It is triangular in shape, a little like the F-117 Nighthawk. It seems to show a cockpit and a tail. It must have been seen silent, as Susie didn't even notice that she had taken the image until she got home later. This isn't a brag, this is just a statement of fact. I have seen and experienced many things paranormal throughout my life. It is that common now that it's just old hat and I don't really get freaked out. However, one thing that does give me the willies is the black-eyed kids. A USA military man who wanted to remain anonymous reported this week to Phantoms and Monsters that he answered a knock at the door at 12.30am and this kid, who was around seven years old, was stood there. His face was an angry grimace and when the man asked, Can I help you? The kid responded in a flat, plain voice. My parents don't like you. Weird, huh? The man responded back, Um, what? To which the boy said, You'll be okay if you give us something great. The man was that freaked out, he said he slammed the door. He described the kid as having eyes like black saucers and he smelt like rotting corpses. He said it stank so bad, he actually removed his clothes and put them in the wash. Okay, and now for a roundup of the weird animals and cryptid news. Phantoms and Monsters have received a report which occurred on the 14th of October 2020 in Schaumburg, Illinois, USA. An anonymous man and his cousin were out catching monsters on Pokemon Go and came across an actual monster. The pair walked to the back of a church and saw a Mothman, which is apparently currently being witnessed in that area. Walking behind St. Matthew Parish, the pair saw a figure around six foot high starting to flap bat-like wings with an estimated wingspan of around 12 foot. 
they noticed that they could see the streetlight shine through the bat skin membrane in its wings before it took off to the sky. The report didn't state if they actually managed to catch any Pokemon or if they just ran away. More on the Mothman later. On November the 13th, a photo was uploaded of a cryptid in Illinois as reported by Phantoms and Monsters. The creature looks like a tall chimpanzee with big human hands. The head can't be seen, as long black hairstyle. I've not seen any feedback or discussion about this creature, but I do find it a little suspect. First of all, the photo is very clear, apart from the creature, which is a little blurred, which doesn't add up. Secondly, it looks like someone's put their arms on backwards, making me believe this weird heavy metal chimp man is either a hoax or the result of Illinois inbreeding. And before I get messages from people in Illinois, it was a joke, and whether it was in New York, Scarborough, you know, Glasgow, anywhere, I would have made the same joke, so please don't take offence, thank you. In the last episode, we told news of the Loch Ness Monster, and also its cousin Champ in Lake Champlain in the USA. Well, these crazy water cryptids seem to love lockdown, with the cousin to both Champ and Nessie, the winner of best monster name of Ogopogo, has literally reared its head from Okanagan Lake in British Columbia, Canada, as reported by Coast to Coast AM on the 16th of October. Adam Schwartz was walking with his family by the side of the lake when he saw something rise out of the water and push against the flow of the current in a sighting that lasted a couple of minutes. However, Ogopogo researcher, whose name I'm definitely not going to pronounce properly, Bill Stickyuk, wasn't impressed with the video footage and said it was probably just a wave, which isn't quite as exciting, I must admit. The Daily Star reported that another cousin of Nessie lives in Wales. No, the country. I don't want you all thinking that it's mystery solved and we know where Nessie's been hiding. Teggy, of Lake Lintechi, pronounced in Welsh as <coughs> has had an official sightings since 1975. It is described as being like Nessie, but smaller, being greyish-brown in colour, around 12 feet long, with two humps, a long neck, round head, and with a crocodile-like snout. Information passes freely these days with things like the internet and before that books. But what I love about these stories is that even in prehistory times, before people travelled around, stories locally in different countries all around the world describe these strange, weird lake monsters and all describe pretty much the same creature, which is absolutely mind-blowing, isn't it? Absolutely love it. Of all the places to see a Bigfoot, I wouldn't expect to see one on Morgan's Knob, but that is exactly where Bigfoot is being seen. In fact, since the 70s, Bigfoot has been seen stamping on Morgan's Knob. <laughs> Sorry, hang on, hang on. Bigfoot... Bigfoot has been seen stamping on Morgan's Knob a total of 30 documented times, with the most recent being reported by Podium Runner, when Nathan Gray was walking on the Morgan's Knob Loop in Salt Fork State Park in Ohio. <laughs> Gray admitted seeing the enormous creature was scary, but what made him even more terrified was when he couldn't see the beast anymore. I honestly don't know what I would do if I saw a Bigfoot, whether I would try and get my camera out, whether I'd be terrified. And also, I, I could see what he means when 
you know, you see this creature and it suddenly vanishes. Is he behind you? Is he gonna, you know, it is scary. Yeah, it's a strange one, is Bigfoot. We, had that. we do have some in Bigfoots in the UK, but the stories aren't as common, obviously. Talking of Bigfoot, there were reports that a Russian trail clan claimed to have caught sight of the elusive beast stood upright in a tree. However, I have no doubts that this is not a Bigfoot and is actually the back of a bear. Because if you look closely, you can see a very un-Bigfoot-like bear's ears. So that one, I have to say, is sadly debunked. Lad Bible printed pictures by Tracy Weiss in Boulder Junction, Wisconsin, USA, who saw a majestic sight in the snow-covered ground in a garden when an incredible albino stag appeared, completely white, other than its pink eyes, nostrils and brown horns. Meanwhile, Canadian autoblog have reported that authorities in Canada have put signs up asking motorists not to let moose lick their cars as they do it to get the salt off and it's bad for their diet. New York Times reported a story that after dogs had bitten children in Waixing County in southwest China, authorities have imposed a dog walking ban. If you are caught walking your dog three times, they will shoot the dog. This is the absolute ultimate in extreme reactions. It's like warning someone that if they spit coffee on your top, you will burn down every coffee house in the city. And that will now be monitored by China for uh, defamation or something like that. I'm sorry, China. Popular Mechanics dropped the headline this month that North Korea is training kamikaze dolphins. Evidence suggests that dolphins are being trained to partake in military exercises. However, I think they'll regret it, because now that the trained dolphins are now armed themselves, they will actually take over North Korea. Meet Dolphin Shong-un, and now North Korea will be monitoring me as well. Not doing very well today, am I? There is increasingly numerous reports of the return of Mothman, particularly around O'Hare Airport in Chicago. Now, even being reported in industry airline publications. In 2017, it was reported there have been 55 recorded sightings, which have continued and now been reported by air traffic control staff and pilots themselves, with staff at the airport reporting to Phantoms and Monsters site anonymously that management at the airport and police and security are more than aware of the sightings going on. Like the creature seen at Point Pleasant, surrounded by untold paranormal activity before the bridge tragically collapsed, Mothman is described as being humanoid with bat-like wings. He is 6 to 10 feet tall, with a wingspan of over 10 feet, covered in fur and has red eyes. iHorror.com shared the story that a postal worker who's worked there for 15 years had finished a shift and saw something stood at the far end of the car park. At first, thinking it was a very tall person in a long coat, she got in her car, and as she got closer and her headlines lit it, she saw it wasn't a person, but a winged creature which turned and looked at her, and it had red eyes. Terrifyingly, she said it opened its wings at first, and she thought it was a bird that was nearly seven feet tall. She said it started to chirp and click at the same time. Then it started screeching before running towards a car, and as it got to about 10 feet close, it rose up and flew into the sky. She, of course, screamed and admitted to being terrified and in a state of panic, hoping that she never ever sees the creature again and hopes the airport staff do something about it. But what do you do to catch a potentially interdimensional mothman? 
that does sound like a terrifying encounter. Other recent sightings that have been reported include a man who was parked just outside the airport, a man who was attending a wedding about three miles away from the airport, and a truck driver who was picking up a load actually at the O'Hare airport. Now reports have come in from a staff member of O'Hare Airport Air Traffic Control itself, according to UFO Clearinghouse. The staff member said he went out for one of his mandatory breaks and had a walk outside. Something caught the corner of his eye, and he turned to look. He saw a creature around seven foot tall, jet black, and looked like a cross between a bat and a man. It had bat membranous wings, which were open and around 12 feet wide. He claimed it had long skinny arms with long skinny fingers and long talons at the end. He said he stood watching the creature, he seemed to be looking on the ground for something. He said two other staff members then came out and saw it too. So that's three witnesses. Next, a service vehicle approached the creature, and the creature lifted its head up, looked towards the vehicle, which is when the witnesses saw that it had a short squat head with piercing red eyes. It flapped its bat-like wings and took to the air, then over the building and out of sight. He stated that multiple air traffic control staff, airport staff and pilots have seen this thing stood, perched or in flight around the airport. He had said that so many people had witnessed it and spoken about it that he was sure it was real, as some of the people he knew being genuine and true, but he still had a tiny bit of doubt until he saw it himself with his own eyes. Is this, like Point Pleasant, a harbinger of doom? Is there going to be a major plane crash at the airport? Or is this creature simply just enjoying its new home, watching other winged planes take off? I, I'm a little nervous and I just wouldn't get on a plane at O'Hare Airport or on a plane that's going to O'Hare Airport. Would you, knowing that all this is going on and that it is potentially a harbinger of death, let me know what you think. Get in touch at 40nnewspodcast at gmail.com. The Sun Herald has reported that a new creature shaped like a party balloon has just been discovered off the coast of Puerto Rico. They say it is a type of jellyfish and looks like a balloon with two strings attached. They have named it Duobrachium sparksei, whereas I would have called it party balloon fish. And let's be honest... You would too. Live science reported that a shark was washed up dead on the shore. And while determining how it had died, a wound was discovered, with a swordfish sword snapped off inside its wound. Sharky and George were called in to investigate who the swordfish was. That's one for the kids. I have to be honest, I could pretty much handle being around any animal. Snakes, spiders, the lot. But one that just gives me the ultimate creeps probably because of an instant when I was a child, of rats. However, their super sniff power is being utilised to save human lives. Magawa, a giant African pouched rat, has just won an award for sniffing out unexploded landmines in Cambodia. For a human to search a tennis court-sized area, it can take four days, where Magawa can do it in just 30 minutes, an incredible increase in efficiency and effectiveness. Big up Magawa. The mega noses are now being trained in other areas as well. A lab technician takes around four days to test for tuberculosis, while a rat can sniff it out in 20 minutes. 
That's an increase in detection rates of 40%, translating into 18,000 people fighting the disease, which kills around 1.5 million people a year. Not only that, but Vice reports they've been trying to sniff out illegally shipped wildlife and survivors in earthquakes and other natural disasters, with their small frame aiding them in nimbling into cavities and small spaces. There are also studies being undertaken to see if early cancer lets out a pathogenic smell that can be detected to sniff out cancer in its earliest stage and then halt its progression. What makes the African giant pouched rat so useful is its longer lifespan than other rodents. Living on average seven years gives it plenty of time to be trained and used in a lifetime. All they need now is a little hero capes and underpants to wear to be bona fide superheroes. And finally, in this week's cryptid and animal news. A black panther is being witnessed numerous times in the West Yorkshire town of Halifax and has even been caught on CCTV. There have been three official sightings of the big cat on the prowl since November the 25th. However, there have also apparently been other big cat sightings according to the local residents of around two decades ago. What is interesting in this case is the local paper approached town officials who wanted to debunk the stories. Then they saw the footage and responded with the words, Oh wow, what is that? That really is a black panther. Black panthers are something really common in this area as well. Uh, I saw one when I was about 14 years old. I was in a field and it was in the field opposite. My parents told me I was mistaken and it was a dog. I am telling you, 100% that was a black panther. It was looking at me. It was far enough away that I didn't have to be scared immediately. But I just stood there facing it and I backed off as slowly as I possibly could until I got far away enough from it that I just ran. Um, it, it, without doubt, 100% of my children's lives, I have no doubt in my blood whatsoever as a Black Panther. Um, I know a few of my friends that have seen one in this area as well. In fact, the, the newspaper had reports of it actually being seen um, just on the coast coastline here in Scarborough. So, yeah, it's, it's just the science every single week. Every single week I, I could pick up stories about this panther around this not, not this panther, but black panthers. And it's strange because it isn't other big cats. So the rumours that they all came from when they left out big cats, but why is it just black cat panthers that are pretty much only seen? Very interesting. And I know loads of conspiracy theories as well, which you might go in into on another show to do with the RAF and black panthers and where they're situated. But yeah, that is definitely another show. A polar opposite is the white cougar which has been spotted in Brazil's Atlantic forest and reported by National Geographic, which has a genetic mutation called leucism and is described as looking ghostly. It is also strikingly beautiful.
Lovely. Um, this is just a section of just out and out weird 14 news, really. The Scotsman reported that novelist Peter May wrote a book about an outbreak of bird flu leading to a pandemic 15 years ago, but it got knocked back by publishers who stated that a city like London going into lockdown due to a virus in modern Britain is completely unrealistic. The mayor of Siberian city, Novosibirsk, has defended its penis-shaped ice rink, stating that it's simply an efficient use of space. He then literally said in his statement to the press that he wanted to maximise pleasure and said it without even breaking into a smile. The Express reported that Nicholas Aljala, a psychic who claims he predicted COVID-19 two years before the first case, has given his rundown of predictions for 2021. The first thing he claims is that there will be thousands having a mass exodus and moving somewhere better. The next prediction, and guys, this one is astounding because this never happens, that 2021 will have political turmoil and heartbreak amongst some A-list celebrities. That is deep. He predicts Meghan Markle will do a tell-all interview spilling the beans on the royal family, maybe potentially revealing that Prince Andrew does actually sweat. He said that he also keeps getting the word heart with Tom Cruise, showing potential heart problems. In fairness, that one is a potential, because if you got the words Tom Cruise and a brain together, now that would be shocking. And now my podcast will also be attacked by the Church of Scientology. He also reveals in a truly extraordinary prediction that the couple, who are currently at this moment having huge relationship problems, King Kardashian and presidential non-hopeful Kanye West, will have relationship issues. Who would have thought? He said one dark one is that a male world leader will be assassinated. He also actually said that the 40N News podcast could take over the world, but only if each and every single one of you fills out a review and gets one other person to listen to the show. So that's your homework, guys. Come on, let's do it. Jonathan Lyons maintains COVID social distancing on the New York subways by dressing up and acting like a giant rat. Surprisingly, people do tend to keep their distance. While our governments are spending millions in a vaccination for COVID-19, the Independent reports that Cambodian villagers have been scaring off the virus using scarecrows. While many Westerners may giggle at the absurdity, at the time of recording, the country has had zero deaths relating to the virus and less than 400 cases nationally, which is enough evidence for me to put Wurzel Gummidge in my front yard. At 23 years old, I was pretty wild. I was playing gigs around the world, getting into fights, being part in protests, mountain boarding, surfing and any other mischief I could get myself into. I thought I was rock and roll, but I take it back after hearing about Sam Wilmot. The Daily Star reports how 23-year-old Sam is the British premier numero uno bench rater. Sam, who is not modest in his skills, Sometimes you just have to tell it how it is. He says he's always had an eye for a good bench. 
And he also says he's a fan of sitting down. So he combined the two together and now Sam travels the country sitting on benches and rating them out of 10. Go and watch this incredible party for yourself by going to Instagram at RateThisBench. Ideal Home reported SCS survey of the weirdest things that the previous owners left in their home. The winners were a pair of handcuffs nailed to the ceiling of the loft, a recitation doll, a witchcraft jar, a rabbit skull, a bottle of arsenic, mental hospital records and the valve of a human heart. My favourite was a Polaroid picture of two men, one dressed as a clown, the other as a nun, with the note reading, Dear Megan, I hate you a lot at the moment, but I love you and all. The weirdest thing I was ever left from the previous owner was his vomit on the carpet when he died of a brain hemorrhage, as well as his ghost who used to bang on the door all the time. Again, one for another show. A 39-year-old Dutchman called Richard choked on a piece of meat in 2012 which resulted in his brain being starved of oxygen and put him in a comatose state called akinetic mutism, meaning he can't walk or talk or even feed himself other than through a tube. His only method of communication, briefly by making gestures with his eyes. However, Dr. William van Erp gave Richard a drug called Zolpidem, aka Stillnoct or Ambien, and 20 minutes later, Richard was able to walk and phone his dad, who hadn't heard his voice in nearly 10 years. Akinetic mutism creates something like a traffic jam through sensory overload on the information high over the brain, meaning the signals move so slowly that its function becomes unworkable. This drug clears the highway so the signal can ping along the brain again. Despite this being a beautiful, uplisting story, there is a downside The result of the drugs only lasts about two hours and they can't use it every day otherwise Richard would get used to the drugs and its effect would lose its miraculous effect. However, now the doctors know that it has a positive effect they can start to study how they can keep the brains functioning more active meaning Richard and others like him can have a more meaningful and self-dependent lives and I for one can only wish them All the best of luck in making that happen and sending them all sincere blessings. An alternative to the drug though is chicken fillets. Time Now News reported that in Taiwan a man named Chow had been in a coma for 62 days after a serious scooter accident. The man who had numerous operations had his family by his side the entire time but when his older brother came to visit he said bro I'm going to eat your favourite chicken fillet, which caused Chow to suddenly increase his heart rate and wake up. On the 19th of October, it was reported a 17-year-old teenager from Kansas broke into a store completely naked and covered himself in ranch dressing. He then got into his car and crashed it into a pillar. You're a bit shocked, but I mean, come on, we've all been there. But seriously, this is one of those stories where I want to know more. First of all, I'm guessing the guy wants to rob a store and then realised he was naked and thought, well, I can't rob a store naked. That would just be crazy, I know. And then grabbed some ranch dressing and covered himself. Where does this decision come from? Where do we go from robbing a store, naked, then ranch dressing? I guess if the security guard in the store is OCD and normally would grab you, 
but then he sees that he would get his hands and uniform all ranchy dirty, chances are he'd leave you alone. And at the same time, if you had decent clothes, you don't want to ruin them all by covering them in ranch dressing so naked it is. I could be a detective getting into the mind of these criminals. You never hear of Batman, though, taking down ranch dressing boy, dear. North Wales Live reported the story of Kerry and Bledin Jackson, who made a strange discovery in their 16th century farmhouse in Denby while renovating the house, which has been in Bledin's family for centuries. They looked into a void and saw a bundle under the stairway. Once retrieved, they were shocked to discover it contained eight odd shoes from the size of a toddler to a full-grown man's boot, along with the barrel of a gun and a horse skull. Shoes have been left in British and other European homes in places such as stairs, doorways and chimneys since the late Middle Ages for a number of reasons. For some, it was in hopes to ensure female members of the home had fertility and bore a child. An example of great fertility form shoes show itself in the nursery rhyme of the old woman who lived in a shoe with so many children she didn't know what to do. Also, tying shoes to a wedding car was another sign of fertility. A woman wearing the shoe of another woman who had just given birth was known as smickling, hoping that the woman's childbearing hips wumba-jumba would pass on to another woman hoping to plant a seed while getting jiggy just by putting the shoe on. Imagine the faces when they found out it took a little more than that. However, as the shoes here range from men's to toddler shoes, I feel this is unlikely to be the reason. Others believed in household deities who were helpful hobs, brownies or spirits, who you could attract by leaving an item of clothing like a shoe to attract them to your home. But due to the other objects and the large number of shoes here, this is also an unlikely explanation. However, the most common reason was to keep out ghosts, witches and demons. It was thought that witches had a weird shoe fetish and loved the smell of human sweaty feet. I mean, this was in the days before regular bathing, hygienic socks and breathable shoes, so the human pong of feet must have made Stilton seem mild. A witch or demon would get a whiff and be drawn to the shoe, because there was only one of them be unable to reverse and be trapped there. It is also relating to the legend of Saint Shome, who trapped a devil in a boot. All I can think of with the other objects is this was a mafia house. Not just content with trapping demonic entities and witches, the family wanted to send them a message they won't forget by trapping them with the barrel of a gun and a horse's head as well. What did the family do after discovering this find? Put it all back where they found it. A house isn't going to protect itself, you know. Not spooky but really cool was a story reported by the Mirror on the 2nd of December that a couple had started renovating their house in New York and made a discovery while removing the lower trim on the outside of the house. Nick Drummond and Patrick Burker pulled away the rotten wood to find a whole bundle of carefully wrapped Prohibition whiskey bottles from 1923 called, coincidentally, Old Smuggler. They were told the previous owner, Adolf Humpfner, was rumoured to be a bootlegger, although they had no evidence until they discovered the bottles of whiskey. Next, they found a hidden space under the crawl space, bringing the total of the stash to around 66 very valuable bottles of whiskey. Yahoo News reported that Adriana Christel from the USA made a video that showed a small closet in a mum's room 
and, as her mum's boyfriend was moving in and needed space, he knocked some other wall through at the back of the closet and instead found two full upstairs rooms. The owners were baffled as from the outside they saw two windows that didn't link to anywhere in the house but they just thought it was some bizarre feature but now they know they have an extra two potential bedrooms in the mum's closet and I just thought it was Nani who found there. 137 is a magic number. How Stuff Works published an article on November the 27th asking why is 137 the most mystical magic number? It doesn't matter if you're a physicist, mysticist or into the occult. From textbooks to the Kabbalah and Torah, this number keeps popping up. So, I have dyscalculia, which is like dyslexia but to do with numbers. So let me take a moment to sum this article up for you. Firstly, 137 is the fine structure constant. This is the electromagnetic force that controls charged particles like the electrons and muons interact with photons of light, so it's one of the key constants in the universe determining chemistry reactions and even atomic structure. That's a pretty important number, particularly as it is the number also at the centre of the Big Bang and also features heavily in the mysterious intersection between relativity and quantum theory. It's also the number linked with the Kabbalah, an unwritten Jewish mysticism where the users are said to be able to perform real magic, as well as the number frequently arising in the Jewish holy book, the Torah. Beyond that, the relationship of the fine structure constant to light in physics parallels the Kabbalah's concepts of connecting with light or becoming enlightened by shedding the ego. Would you eat human meat? This is the question posed by D. Zine on the 13th of November. Veganism would reduce emissions, yield more food over an acre rather than meat farming, and thus overall lower food prices and increased production, meaning the growing population still can be fed, as well as billions of animals not having to be kept in poor conditions and slaughtered. But there is one issue with all of this which stops people. Meat tastes amazing. To counter that though, the industry has started growing lab meat, essentially taking living cells and reproducing them as tissues which can be then cooked and eaten. Scientists have had success doing this and claim that it tastes like a really good steak, but the meat is not yet on sale and there is debate on the philosophy and ethics of the issue to be debated before it goes on sale. Interestingly, corn is similarly cultivated from fungus protein, so it's not something we're unused to when it comes to our food, but people suddenly get uncomfortable when it is meat. Would you eat a burger grown in the lab? Secondly, if you are vegetarian for animal rights issues, does this mean you could or would eat this type of meat if there was a guarantee that no animal is harmed anywhere in its production? There are deep philosophical questions in all of this, so let's just bump it up a level. Would you eat meat grown from human cells? Weirdly for me, I would try it if it was my own, but that is still unsettling, as it would be like eating your own arm or something. However, on the flip side, in terms of renewing muscle mass attacked by my autoimmune diseases, could this be a quicker way for my body to replenish protein structures more than eating the very ingredients that make its own composition? Well, a group of American scientists have displayed it 
at the Beasley Design of the Year exhibition. Titled Auroboros Steak, they have designed a potential concept where you could grow your own steak at home using the skin cells from your own cheek. Will we one day have meat farms in our own homes? I honestly don't know where I stand on the issue. For some reason, I'm a little grossed out by lab-grown meat and meat from humans even more, as essentially isn't that cannibalism? But at the same time, if long-term it helps increase food yield, bring down prices and not harm animals, will the initial gross-out part just disappear? After all, I find it strange that the thought of putting human breast milk in your coffee makes people gip, and yet we're okay doing exactly the same from cow's breasts rather than our own species of humans. Why do we decide that a cow is okay, but other mammals, you know, for example a donkey, is not? And isn't human milk the one designed for us in our bodies? It all proves that this is to do with conditioning of the mind, rather than an actual aversion. So one day this may not be an issue. After all, if I gave my girlfriend a quick snog, I am already ingesting a few thousand of her cheek cells. And that will increase with far more intimate activities with my mouth, if you see what I'm getting at. You could even have celebrity meat on sale. For example, Michael B. Jordan and Margot Robbie were both voted the sexiest male and female on the planet in 2020. Would people buy their steaks, or those who have a sick taste would want serial killer's meat? The possibilities are just endless. I would be really interested in hearing your point of view on this subject. So get in touch on social media or via 40nnews at gmail.com and let me know where you stand. Many people are gearing up for the great realignment known as the celestial synchronisation, not seen for 800 years this Christmas when Jupiter and Saturn move close together. Some are seeing this as the cause of the insanity of 2020 and others say it will lead to spiritual enlightenment, while others think it will look quite pretty through a telescope. Just a little warning if you've got kids around for the next bit. On the 19th of October, the Telegraph and Argus newspaper reported that Rehan Baij was jailed for having intercourse with some hot chicks while being filmed by his wife. Well, that's not illegal to do that to hot chicks, I hear you say. Well, I'm not quite being accurate. It was with the right set of birds. Right, okay. It was with fully grown chickens, which sadly died in the incidents. Although rumours that the National Association of Chickens are lobbying slaughterhouses to adopt this method as a more preferable, pleasurable and humane way to die is yet to be confirmed. The paper said that Rehan Beige admitted three counts of intentionally performing an act of penetration on live chickens. Have you noticed how sometimes there are words used in legal terms that just don't need to be there? In that sentence, the word intentionally just doesn't need to exist. I cannot imagine any situation or circumstance where someone unintentionally penetrates a chicken. Sorry officer, I was walking aroused and nude into a farm and happened to trip and fall just as a chicken saw a worm and bent down to peck at it. It's just not going to happen. Also, can you imagine being on jury duty that day for that case? I wouldn't be able to keep a straight face and not make sexy chicken noises in the car. Also, I'd want to be a fly on the wall when they're in the nick. Yeah, what are you in for? Me, when I rubbed this out of all the jewellery and stole it 
away in their own Mercedes-Benz. Oh, right. And what about you? I had a fight with the entire town. Not bad, not bad. And what about you? Well, my wife filmed me making love to some hot chicks and a right bird. Now, you'd think this was a one-off, wouldn't you? But on the 21st of November, The Sun reported the headline, Supermarket Worker had sex with 15 chickens and his own Great Dane dog, and then apologised to them. The article read that Shane Waters, 40, apologised to the chickens who died after he abused them in a shed on a farm. A farmer found a load of dead birds in the hen house, checked CCTV and reported it to the police. Waters was then seen on CCTV prowling around the yard. Waters said, I need help. I know what I've done. I just get these urges. He told the police they'd been on the farm about nine previous occasions, but he usually only had sex with just one chicken. He admitted that he did not like performing the act, and he did say sorry to the chickens after. I'm sure the dead birds really did appreciate the apology. He also admitted having intercourse with his dog over a four-month period, but said the dog did not like it and growled and bit him. So Shay, I can think of one area that would have been more preferable for it to bite, to be honest. I mean, sex with chicken stories, it, a bit like buses, you know, you, you don't see one and then a couple come round at once. It's just weird, isn't it? That, those are some of the weirdest stories I've ever read, you know. I mean, you do look at some chickens and think, wow, that's, that's a sexy chicken, but you'd never go that far, would you? <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Please don't complain. That was a joke. That was a joke. Yahoo News posted photos of what looked very much like a burnt, decapitated body on November the 27th, covered in barnacles and seaweed with a leather strap on its leg. Horrified volunteers from Ocean Hour were carrying out a beach clean when they came across the corpse and from seeing the photos did what I would do in the same situation, feel repulsed at what their eyes were viewing and call the police. However, when the police arrived to investigate, they found out it was actually a mannequin which had been claimed by the sea and so its plastic casing was hidden. Seven people have died in Russia when they ran out of alcohol at a party and decided to drink hand sanitizer. Those who didn't die went blind or had other serious complaints. I wonder how Darwin would cause this in his theory of evolution. Also in Russia, a 59-year-old man from Zelenograd had lived with breathing difficulties for over half a century until it escalated and he couldn't breathe through one nostril at all. Doctors investigated and saw a foreign object in there. It was then that the man remembered that he shoved a coin up there when he was six and it got stuck, so he was afraid to tell his mum and so just left it there until now. A woman in an Aldi supermarket in Surrey went and smashed over half a thousand bottles of alcohol onto the shop floor in utter silence, even at one point falling onto the floor in all the glass, cutting herself up before getting up and to continuing her task. It is unknown as to why she was doing this, although a few days earlier, another woman did the same, according to the Independent, because she was asked to use the one-way system. Anyone who has seen Better Call Saul will know of Chuck McGill and his psychosomatic electrical allergy, with much of the story hinging on whether it was in fact in his mind or if he was genuinely allergic. Similar cases occur in real life. 
The Westmoreland Gazette on the 21st of November stole, told the story of Bruno Berwick, aged 48, who was, in his words, a normal guy with no health issues until he developed the condition known by electrosensitivity, a.k.a. electromagnetic hypersensitivity, electrophobia, or even electromagnetic field intolerance, a condition where the report states approximately 4% of British people have the disorder. Many medical experts claim that this is no real disorder and is completely psychosomatic, just like Chuck McGill. However, this does not stop people, like Bruno, getting very real symptoms. The ex-builder and boxer, who spent 200,000 flying around the world to try and find a cure, has lost five stone, suffers chronic fatigue, and when near electromagnetic frequencies, starts to burning sensations and popping noises and feelings in his head. He has painted his house with anti-5G paint and is building a low-tech shelter in the garden to spend in the winter in so that his family can have the heating on in the home. If he really is allergic to EMF, then I may get him on my ghost hunters as an organic meter. I also just have to ask, how on earth did he manage the airport and flights? A flight to the USA is around 10 hours. How did he not just explode? One story that started out weird and confusing has only got weirder and more confusing as time has gone on. On the 18th of November, biological officials in southern Utah were in a helicopter counting bighorn sheep and as they flew over red rocks, they spotted a silver shiny metal monolith installed in the ground, which could have confused officials and created a tidal wave of conspiracy theories and guesswork. The most common and potent of these conspiracy theories was that it was, of course, being put there by aliens, with it being similar to the monoliths of Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey. The Utah Department of Public Safety released an official press release in response to the media and internet frenzy with the tongue-in-cheek response, it is illegal to install structures of art without authorization on federally managed lands, no matter what planet you are from. Researchers searched Google Maps and found the monolith there, meaning it was there when it was taken in 2016, while others joked that the COVID-19 vaccine is inside. There was speculation that this was a piece of art by avant-garde artist John McCracken, who died in 2011, and that his own agency were divided on the issue. The mystery only escalated when the monolith suddenly vanished from the site with nothing but a tiny metal pyramid being left behind in its place. However, weeks later, footage emerged from a traveller who went to see the site of four men, not in uniform, removing the structure in the dead of night. The man who recorded the footage said the group of men broke the structure down, took the structure away, as I said it was classed as litter, and also due to the amount of visitors it was attracting in this remote area, was tearing up the protected space with cars making tracks. However, to make it even more strange, the service which runs the park released a statement to the press saying that it was not them that had removed the monolith and that they were in fact reporting the removal to the police. Another hiker went to the area at night after it had been removed said they arrived just after they saw a truck moving off and the words by bitch was written in the sand in urine. How he knew it was urine was not revealed. Despite this story breaking, Vice then broke a story with different details. 
Vice claimed they've seen footage of a group tearing the monolith down as they live-streamed the event on blockchain streaming site DLive. Vice states the group are a far-right Christian group who are chanting American first and Christ is king while tearing it down. One of the group wore a Make America Great Again slogan headband and called the monolith gay as they must have seen it kissing another monolith of the same sex. They then replaced it with a wooden cross. What is interesting is the first report didn't specify the wooden cross. It specified a metal triangle and it portrayed them as being somehow wanted to take it down due to concerns about the park and um, environmental issues which is very different to what this group says. So, what is their disgruntlement with the monolith of all things? Well, in the video, a man says to the camera, Christ is king in this country, so we don't want illegal aliens from Mexico or outer space, so let's tear this bitch down. Seemingly knowing little about USA history or the meaning of a constitutional federal republic. It is also one of Christ's teachings, I must admit, so I'm sure he didn't say, hate thy neighbour, but these guys who carry crosses know more than me, so excuse my ignorance. This group of geniuses also mentioned burning crosses, white power and sing battle songs. I'm sure that these aliens with their infinitely greater technology will be shaking in their boots. After the group spend around five hours acting very tough on camera, they claim someone is chasing them down the mountain and they all run and hide in the bushes, claiming that these people that have fallen them have set canines on them, although no dogs are heard in the video. Then another direct quote from the Bible, one of them says, grab the cross and beat them with it. The group apparently come to the conclusion that it's Antifa after them, when it was probably an old lady walking a dog, and have the idea to call the police and place the blame of destroying the monolith on Antifa. Antifa are a group of anarchist black mass who, like the UK and USA in the Second World War, define themselves as proudly being anti-fascist. Despite recent right-wing media conspiracies, they have no leaders or formal membership and are often people who meet at hardcore punk shows and decide that they don't like the idea of the second coming of Hitler's politics in the world. This group of men then continue their live stream, bragging about their incredible escape on their ride home. Other videos by this group on the stream, named Culture War Criminal, celebrate spitting on black people and other far-right racism and QAnon conspiracies. So that seems the end for now, without knowing actually who put it there for that monolith. It was destroyed by far-right extremism, as people thought it was aliens, and aliens aren't welcome in the USA, so this group tore it down. That seems to be the conclusion. But other chapters are opening. Other monoliths are starting to pop up around the world. Another monolith also appeared without permission on protected land in the paranormal hotspot of Romania in Piatra Nims. Another has appeared in Pine Mountain, Atascadero, California, but then has also disappeared. And finally one has appeared on the beach in the Isle of Wight in the UK. If you want to hear a little bit more about this, I'd really recommend listening to the latest episode of the Astonishing Legends podcast, who go really in-depth about this, as they do with all sorts of things, and it's an absolutely amazing podcast. So please go over there and tell them that we sent you and say hi. Now, just as a point of interest, 
when I was reading that story um, and I say the sentence, uh, Christ is king in this country, which is what the group said, you can hear a kind of crash in the background. And as is often the case, um, things fly across the room. And yeah, it is half past three in the morning now and something just flew across the room onto the table and that is what you heard in the background. I just thought you'd be interested to know that. I'll be glad to get out of it and go to bed. <laughs> NBC reported that US intelligence has proven that China has conducted human testing of the People's Liberation Army to develop biologically enhanced capabilities. Or so, John Ratcliffe, the director of national intelligence for the USA, claims. Claims that the future Marvel films will be called Captain China are yet to be substantiated. A strange story has emerged from Seattle, a place I know I have a few listeners. So hello to my Seattleites, one of my favourite cities in the world. The Daily Beast reported that on the 2nd of December, there have been a number of bizarre visitors in the Seattle suburbs. A man noticed a stranger outside his home, and so stepped outside and asked him if he could help. The stranger was wearing a tall red fez cap. The stranger responded, Yes, I'm here to let you know that I'm the legal owner of the property, and today is the day. Of course, the actual homeowner thought this visitor was a bag of fries short of the potatoes, and asked, What? And all he would repeat was, Today is the day. Probably not just a fan of the Grindport core band, Today is the day. The fez atop stranger handed the man a formal document then drove off. When it was reported to the police, he found that he was the fourth of such incidents in Seattle in the past few weeks. The weird bloke is apparently a member of the Moorish Sovereign Citizen Movement. This black group claim they are the indigenous tribes of the USA and therefore emancipated from USA citizenship and not bound by the same laws and as they are all original people, then they automatically own all property in the USA. They have unsuccessfully tried to win a number of lawsuits about this. I wonder how they would feel if they did actually win, and then Native Americans turned up with their evidence to be the true original members of the USA community. Do you know what is real sick? Ambergris. A poor Thai fisherman this week was walking on the beach and came across a blob of ambergris, a.k.a whale vomit, worth $3.2 million. The ingredient is used to make scents and jaw in your most expensive perfumes. 20 metre wide and 52 metre deep craters are appearing in the Siberian permafrost according to BBC Future. Scientists are baffled as to the cause, although they have ruled out claims that Putin punched the ground and have instead stated that it must be caused by some sort of huge underground gas explosions. This year, 160 human Egyptian coffins have been found buried in Saqqara tombs, which include curses painted onto the mummy's coffins. These include that the Council of Gods punish any intruders and wring their necks like that of a goose, which if they are as effective as our local council, they may get a response in five years after they've cut through the bureaucracy who will then risk assess the response and say they can't do it. Another warns that your own property shall be destroyed, while another says that you will see ghosts. The Metro reported that a babysitter is being sued by the mum of the children she babysitted for, for giving them chicken nuggets in a McDonald's Happy Meal. 
The babysitter had no idea the children were vegetarian and thought that she was being kind. The mum found out and ripped the boxes from the children screaming at them and is demanding money for emotional damages. Meanwhile, the kids have probably asked their mum if they can go out for more and have the babysitter back. When working with young people who have anger issues, they often get wound up and then get into more trouble for how they kick off. So what I do is advise them to go for a walk to cool down. One man in Italy did just that. He had an argument with his wife, so went for a walk. But just didn't stop. The 48-year-old man walked 418 kilometres and only stopped after police stopped him for breaking lockdown curfew. He said he was a little tired. The police fined him for breaking curfew, put him in a hotel room and got his wife to pick him up the next day. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall for that journey. And finally, I'm not going to read you or tell you anything about the article. I'm just going to read you this headline from Hungary. Conservative anti-gay politician busted while trying to escape an all-male orgy with backpack full of drugs. is it that is the mammoth november uh, 40 in news podcast thank you for those that have been waiting for it and being patient um it is 3 45 in the morning by the time i've uploaded this it'll be after four but i just felt so guilty um not getting out i stayed up till after three last night as well um to record and, and get it out there so um yeah i've got to be up in a few hours for if I say three hours, I'll be getting up at it. will be after less than three hours sleep um, just to get this out here. So, yeah, it's a lot of work for me. So please just repay me by letting other people know and giving us a review on, on wherever you downloaded it, Apple um, and all that type of thing. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm not going to ramble on air like I normally do because I am very, very, very tired and my voice is going. And I just want to get this up and out there. But thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it and please do get in touch please do just drop us an email um drop us something on social media and uh just just say hello um like i said i want this to be a community i'm not tired i don't even know what i'm talking about i'll be honest as well i'll be really honest i haven't even listened to the show so there's probably hundreds of mistakes in it so i know it won't be the quality it normally is i apologize and tomorrow night i'll start writing the next one because i've already done research that hasn't been fitted into this show with loads of new stories um it's still pretty awful out there isn't it so um you know with all the troubles in the usa as well i've got a lot of usa listeners but just with covid all over the world just want to say all of you you know stay safe look after each other um i will speak to you all before christmas i'll have a new show by before then but just much love to all of you um i know some people will be worried about christmas and money and everything 
Um, I'll be really honest with you, there was a Christmas many, many moons ago when I was in my early 20s and I first had my son and we were absolutely skinned and we were just really honest to everyone and said we couldn't afford presents this year and any money that we did have, we, we put into our son. And it was one of the most liberating and lovely Christmases there was. Everyone accepted that we didn't have any money and we actually cherished just spending time with people that we cared about instead and that's what it's all about. So if any of you are feeling feeling bad, just just take that bit of advice there for you. Much love to each and every one of you, as always. Many blessings out to you, and thank you so much for listening this far. Take care, everyone, and good night. Peace.